Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I'm ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Let's go! Woo-hoo-hoo! Wednesday Night Live, baby! It's the Super Bowl Sports Honcho Spectacular on this Wednesday, February 9, 2022. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert. Man in the barn here in the great state of New York. It's time for everybody bring in your favorite sports honchos. My Mr. Robert Cuny from the great state of Maryland. How are you, sir? Greetings and salutations, everybody. And just so I want to get this out of the way right up front, Papa's got some brand new buttons on the old roadcaster. So enjoy, everybody. More sound effects, less me, more sound effects. We've heard. You've asked and we listen. More sound effects. Less of the bald man. Anyway, I'm doing well here in Maryland. It was 60 degrees today, which was appalling. Did anybody ask you? What? Did anybody ask you? Ask me what? How you were doing? No. I just figured that was coming up. <laughs> you know you know me. I don't like to wait. I just like to dive in. I like to swim in Lake Me immediately when the show begins. And <laughs> by little- the way, <laughs> <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you're unhappy with all of uh, Robert's upcoming sound effects, um, on the show, please call 911 immediately for a customer service hotline and send all hate mail to right. uh, Robert Cuny at I'm not going to answer you.com. And as we always tell you, operators are standing by. Yes. So now, Mr. Cuny, we got that out of the way. How are you, pal? As I said, I'm really good. 60 degrees today it was appalling. I had to be inside all day. Almost, almost took my classes outside, but you know, decided against it. Wow, almost, so, you, you got almost the kids excited and everything, and then you just no. I don't like to make hearts. kids happy. That's not why I'm in this business. All right. If I'm not meeting out misery, I'm doing something wrong. You know what I just did about uh, 45 minutes ago? Does it involve reverse digestion? No. Oh, okay. Digestion's eventually part of it. I walked into our local pizzeria here without a mask on outstanding like on purpose <laughs> it's allowed now wow the old wow. gov that's she, fantastic she that, pulled I the mandates that deserves, baby that, i thought deserves Back some to of normal. this there you go. sounds like a air dryer in a urinal but okay <laughs> <laughs> small one <laughs> that's going to be the name of my upcoming memoirs the air dryer in the urinal <laughs> It's the Rob Cuny story. <laughs> oh, so what good. was it like being, uh, what was it like being going commando for your face? As oh, it were? wait till tomorrow. I'm starting at eight o'clock in the morning after the kids are dropped off to school and I'm going into every store, <laughs> every place, every, that every bar, every luncheon net, every IHOP. I'm just going in and goes, Hey, let's go up everybody. And then I'm going to leave. So your your state, 
your governor has uh, lifted the mask mandates? Yeah, this or is not it not in schools yet, and not uh-huh. on public transportation, not right. on the trains, and not in healthcare facilities, doctor's offices and stuff. Right. But the rest of us, baby, chin commando, baby. Yeah, I wonder how long that's going to last. Oh, this is it. Especially this last in the blue time. This is the that last is time. We're all vaccinated, immunized. We've all got it. Somebody, I didn't get it, but everybody else got it. It's I haven't over. got it. But that's what we said months ago, that we'd, we'd get out of the mask mandates and, and never look at them again. And yeah, but it's an hour and a half it. later. Nah, it's over just now. Kidding, the pandemic everyone. is officially over, buddy. It's all done. Uh-huh. It's all done. Okay. Yep. We'll see you at the summertime when those mask mandates come back again. They're not coming back. It's over. It's well, done. here in the in the land of Mary, we're up the creek without a, a mask because we're just going to be masking it up until, you know, 2050. But hey, hopefully I'll still be doing this show in 2050. Why do you th- why do you say so? Are the people sick in your state? No, it's just because we live as we like to call it here in the People's Republic of Montgomery County where, you know, liberalism and and doing the right thing, which is not a bad thing, but letting everybody know just how virtuous you are. Um sort of goes with the territory. And so we're going to be wearing masks here, no matter what the science says, um, until the last, every other county and municipality and township goes off masks. We'll still be the last one standing with our masks proudly on, like all of those Japanese soldiers still out in those Pacific islands waiting for any invasion, not aware that the war ended, you know, 70 years ago. I don't think so, but... I mean, oh, okay. I'm, I'm looking at you guys or what? One, two, three. Oh, the numbers. Don't look at the numbers. It doesn't you only matter. Had, you only had 738 cases yesterday. Don't look at the numbers. How doesn't... many people live in the state of Maryland? I don't know. 739. Go knock on, go count tomorrow and knock on some houses. <laughs> no, it's just we're, we're going to be wearing masks for a while. Man, Even though you, our, you our come on. Be happy. Be, be, be happy about, What am I happy for? I'm very happy for you that you can go face commando. Uh just think of me when you're walking into the pizza place unmasked and you can take a big sniff and of clean, lick, fresh can, pizza filled air. the countertop, too. That's fantastic. Did you clean the countertop? Yes, with my face. <laughs> it's going to be a great day tomorrow around here. I can't. I want. I want. I think you should do a photo log, a All photo right, so journal. This is what I want you. I want you. This is what I want you to envision. I think it's uh, uh, I think it's the Geigo commercial when Dikembe Mutombo. He's in all the different places. No, no. <laughs> he says not in my house. Right. That's going to be me tomorrow in every place. Right. No mask in my house. I, I hope that includes you ripping the masks off of people. No, no. I Look, I am all for anybody who wants to continue wearing masks. Um, I'm also for any any folks who don't want to get vaccinated. That's fine. Right. It's your choice, you know? You know, women don't have a choice in this country. But anybody else? Absolutely. Um, your body, your face, whatever you want to do. Um, can we rewind the tape just a smidge? Would you mind elaborating on that <laughs> women don't have a choice comment before <laughs> the... Uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. That, that ruling hasn't come calls. yet. That ruling hasn't come down yet. But soon, uh, okay. women will right. not have a choice. For now. Yes. Now, they, women have a choice. but In certain states. Yeah, maybe not later. You know, the, right across the river, the governor of Virginia was in... A supermarket recently, the newly elected governor Glenn Youngkin, who one of his big camp- one of his big campaign promises was to end mask mandates, especially in schools. And he went to a supermarket 
unmasked and he was approached by either a customer or the, the sales clerk or the cashier about wearing a mask. And he said, Hey, we all make choices. You choose to wear a mask. I choose not to wear a mask. So, you know, and, and, and it was in Arlington, which for those not familiar with Virginia politics and geography might as well be uh, DC. The, it might as well be Washington, DC. It's, it's just an extension of the nation's capital. So in, in a, in the, a red state such as Virginia, which is in all the outlying areas, deeply red, but in this small section of Arlington and Fairfax County, it's deeply blue. And they go right along with whatever D.C. and the prevailing party, uh, Democratic Party says. So that we're in the, and Montgomery County is the same way on the other side of the river. We are just merely an arm of Washington, D.C. So we're just going to follow that same song and dance again until everyone else has gone away. We'll be the last one standing. No, no, it's, it's coming down. Yeah, don't worry about it. All right. You don't worry about it. But anyway, uh, we're happy about it here. Anyway. I'm, again, I'm happy for you because I, I, I'm all about other people. You know that. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So look, buddy, uh, we actually made it. It's, it's episode 51. Yep. They said it couldn't be done. Now the question is, will we get to episode 52? We did take a week off last week because I uh, took my youngling to his first hockey game. Which was snowed out because of the big storm, right? Well, That's it was why it's supposed to be on Saturday, right? Originally, and then it got moved to last Wednesday, where we usually do the sports Han show spectacular shows that you folks right. are all uh, accustomed to here um, at Sports Han show's Magic Kingdom of sports talk and laughs. So we didn't do a show last week, and we want to uh, apologize to everybody. Um, hopefully, you'll you'll forgive us. So anyway, um, episode fifty one was delayed till tonight. So. I took my young guy. He's uh, I'm a Rangers fan here in New York. My little guy is an Islanders fan, and it's un- it's unfortunate. That'll, but he is. that'll be problematic. <laughs> nah, it's it's working. Out. I just glad he likes hockey. So anyway, I figured his first game was you know they were playing the Kraken, the expansion team, right? The Seattle Kraken. The Kraken. I figured it was an effing layup. <laughs> Meaning they get, what? They like get, a win? So they get shut out. And no. outshot like thirty six to sixteen or something like that. Mm. All my little guy wanted was to hear the goal song. That's all he wanted. And they got so even. Even my got disdain for the New York Islanders as a franchise is even worse now, after mm. what they done did to my kid's broken heart the other night. It's it's unacceptable. Was he able they, to? They never win another his, game. Oh, don't, did he commiserate oh, with his uncle? I don't, I don't want my son to hear that. Sorry. Did he commiserate with his Uncle Sean about the Islanders' loss to the Kraken? Uncle Sean was there. Oh, okay. Uncle Sean is part of a season ticket uh, couple guys. They uh, they have seats there. All right. Yeah. Well, did he, did he enjoy himself despite, you know, the Islanders? He, he was, it was awesome. It was great to bring my little guy. I videotaped him walking up. You know, I remember when I was a kid, the first time you walk up the steps and then you see the yeah. ice. You know, and we got him there two hours before the game time. And uh, the, uh, by the way, the arena is absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. How old is he? He's going to be nine in a couple of weeks. Okay. And yes, that is the first time you walk into any stadium, but particularly a stadium that houses your favorite team. I mean, I remember the first time I walked into RFK where the... the Don't the say it. Don't you say the it. Played. No, no, the, the command now. skins never played at RFK. But I remember the first time walking in there and, and seeing the stadium, which... 
at that point, I've, I'd only seen on a television set and not one of those big 70-inch plasma jobs. We're talking, you know, your 13 to 17-inch jobs. Uh, at least there was color, though. Black, uh, uh, was color? And I was going to say it's probably black and white. You know, so it is a great experience. Of course, no one, there was no videotaping, recording it on your phone at that point. But I would have, you know, I was yeah. just turned 10. A couple but I tell ago. you, man, my little guy, he's he's right in there, man. He, like you said, he was having a great time. And then, you know, when it was about eight minutes left in the game. And he's, uh, my, my cousin was there with his little guy. And they're, you know, they're cousins and they're pretty tight, both of them. So the two of them, you know, he's, yeah. His cousin's nine now. Anthony's eight. My son's eight. So the two of them are sitting there, and they were like the two old men in the Muppets up in the balcony, and hearing these guys minus profanity, giving the Islanders the business. Right. It was absolutely hysterical. What were the names? It was Waldorf and what was the other one's name? But yes, I know who you're talking. I thought about. it was Duke and Duke. I, I always want to say Waldorf and Astoria, but that's a hotel. Why not? It's Waldorf and. Some other guy, but yes, I I know what you're talking about. But it was hysterical. And then, are you uh, a leave? Are you a leave early kind of guy, or are you bitter end sort of person? Well, we didn't have to worry about it too much the other night because I think because the game got shifted. The original Saturday game, I believe, was a sellout, and then they moved it to Wednesday night, and um, so there was we didn't have to worry about it. And then I will tell you this: quite a lot of Islander fans did leave early, and uh, so we were we were safe to. Not have to worry about it. But uh, any any of you Long Islanders listening, and if you haven't been to UBS, is uh, the the best advice that I can give everybody is get there early and get your car and park it right by the exit, so you can get right onto the cross island. Pew, get out of there because um, they they didn't really think the parking thing through. In fact, they they don't really have any parking over there. There's like three lots, Yikes. and we had to take a charter bus from the parking lot to the arena. But then mm-hmm. we walk back. But uh, anyway, uh, beautiful arena. Um, tip of the hat to the, the crew and the staff. There. Everybody was wonderful working there and stuff. And uh, it was great, you know, and except oh, for the Islanders um, losing. Waldorf and Statler. I just looked it up. Oh, well, oh, you weren't just ignoring me before and texting somebody no, I else? Was, no, no, I was not ignoring you. I was oh. adding to the, the, the flavor of the show and your story by equating, you know, your son and his cousin to, you know, two altar cockers sitting yes. up in the balcony at the Muppet Show, Waldorf and Statler. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. So, so there's, there's my little take. And that's, again, we apologize to everybody who was, you know, on their device last Wednesday at 730 Eastern time waiting for me and you to come on. And we weren't there. We apologize. And then we apologize to those who are hoping that today would be a day off from the sports honchos. And at 730, here we are. Yes, hey, uh, how did you fare in the 28 inches or of whatever you got up in uh, the Isle of Long? It was nothing. Um, I'm just going to say I, this. If I... What's that? I saw pictures. My, my friend, you know, Pat, his parents live on the island. And I oh, saw. Oh, that's guy, right? Yeah, the massive amount dugout of snow. Dugout bench. Do the, I? Dugout manager? <laughs> Is he our what? Mets, our Mets insider, correct? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, our Mets insider. Oh, my insider. God. Are you not, you're not paying attention? What are you I doing? I'm paying attention. You're looking right at me. You're so dreamy. Are your headphones on? What? <laughs> so, Pat <laughs> sent you pictures of himself in the snow. No, he he's he sent pictures that his mom had sent. His parents live on the island, um, and it looked you know a couple like it was eighteen. Pat's up in Buffalo. Days. Is that correct? Yes. Are you listening to me now? No, Pat's Pat lives here in in Maryland. Oh, he does. Yes. Oh, 
I don't know anyone that actually lives in Buffalo. I, just I do. Joe Yurton. Who... He does uh, that hockey show with me on Thursdays. Awesome dude. Tune in. Go ahead. I have friends who are uh, Buffalo, you know, expats that now live in the D.C. area. But I don't know anyone that actually lives there now. So um, are Pat's folks okay? Yeah, they, yeah. They're fine. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Yeah, they dug out. I mean, you know, as you well know, people up there are used to it. They're, you know, sturdier stock and snow doesn't bother them. It's, I think he said by the next morning, so, you know, the snow came Saturday and by Sunday, you know, they were out and about and moving around. Yeah, I, I, look, if I've learned anything in my old age uh, out here living on Long Island in New York for all these years, when there's a, a big day of snow like that and windy, blizzard, frigid conditions, I look out the window with my cup of hot tea and I and see laugh. my neighbors, <laughs> you know, clearing stuff and snowballing stuff. I'm, I'm like, why? It's all coming back. I mean, in the middle of the storm, I don't understand that. Where are you right. going? What are you exactly. doing? I don't understand that either. I mean, I understand if it's a few inches and you want to get a, a layer dug out so when it stops, there's less snow. But when it's just coming so down... So the pizza guy can come because he better get out on his ass. If I order pizza, he better come in the snow. And hey, I'm, the clock's ticking on that 30 minutes or less, buddy. Now, don't give me that, oh, it's snowing. <laughs> <laughs> get a better delivery vehicle. But yeah, look, uh, we survived. We're okay. So here we are. So getting back to what I was talking about before, uh, it's episode 51. And... Yes. We have this new segment here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, which features Mr. Robert Cuny, your favorite honcho of mine. And we always talk about a famous sports athlete who wore the number of the episode that we're at. And this is what we're going to do until we get to I guess 99. Nine, well, I guess we get to a zero. Well, 101, because we'll take double zero as 100. Really? I guess. But 99, that's 48 more episodes. Maybe hey, we'll... I'm looking forward to the Gretzky episode, buddy. We'll, we'll stop. Oh, 99 will be, yeah, Gretzky, that's, I, at this point, there's no one else who would be 99. But, yeah. But, hey, you'll have to tune in for 48 we play the, episodes. We could play the Toto song 99. We could. That night. Wow. See, we've already got episode 99. For all you folks, mark your <laughs> calendars, follow along. You guys know what you're getting. Although, episode let's 99. See. 51 episodes, episodes from now. 51 episodes since the fall of 2020. So we're looking at 99, the 99th episode sometime in 2026. So <laughs> stay posted. Look, before we get to that, one more quick thing. Sure. So I want to just tell a quick Grace story. Um, you I know, love the, Grace. You know why I love Grace? Because she loves you. No, she is the unluckiest woman in the world. Anyway, uh, a few months ago, we went to the movies. I don't know what. Don't remember which movie it was. We saw a preview at that time for Jackass Forever. Now, you and I were both the same age. We're both, you know, stupid lunkhead men. We love the Jackass. When the preview came on, I looked over, <laughs> and not only was Grace did Grace not have a disapproving look on her face, but she was doubled over with laughter, with tears coming out of her. She is ne- she had never seen Jackass before. Uh-huh. And I looked over and I said, <laughs> you know, I'm laughing now. Do you find this funny? And she said, who wouldn't find that funny? And I almost at that point dropped to one knee and asked her to marry me. I was going to say, that's a... So last night we went to see, because it's Tuesday date night, um, we went to see Jackass in the, on the big screen. And let me tell you, as much as she liked the preview, she loved the, ent- the entire movie. I mean, nonstop laughter doubled over. When, when the lights came up, her eyes were puffy and red from 
from the tears that were coming down. I enjoyed it as well, but I, I've seen all the Jackass stuff. But this was her first time. She never saw the show, never saw any of the movies. Uh, this was outside the preview the first time she'd come in contact with it, and she loved it. And that's why I am so cuckoo nutty in love with this woman. because And you're shopping enjoys- for rings now. Yeah, she hey. enjoys the finer things in life. Fried chicken, Jackass, and me. And you. So there you go. Oh, boy. That's why you see now this, you know, we've done about three or four episodes in a row here. And I've, I've been noticing that you've been a little, I don't think you've been yourself. But I you see a little that. extra, I, I see a little extra, you know, snazzy pazzy poo in your, in your, in your uh, demeanor here this evening. And now I know why. Snazzy pazzy poo, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Gross. All right, let's go. It's episode 51. Right. What do you got for us? Some sports. Okay, so it's episode 51. And today on Who Wore It the Best, I give you one Richard Marvin Butkus, otherwise known as Dick. And let me tell you something, friends. When your name is Dick Butkus and it's not a joke, you'd better be one badass motherfucker. And there was there were very few people on the football field playing middle linebacker as one Richard Marvin Butkus, who played... From 65 to 73 for the Chicago Bears, he was a, a went into the Hall of Fame the second he became eligible in uh, 1978 or 79. He was the uh, Hall of Fame said he was on the all 1960s and 1970s teams. Eight-time Pro Bowl, five-time All-Pro. When he retired, he led he had the NFL record of 25 interceptions. Sorry, 25 fumble returns, which is no longer an NFL record, but at the time. Uh, that was the record. He also had 22. Um, sorry, he had 22, uh, 27 fumble recoveries. Uh, and I'm sorry, in addition to the 25 fumble recoveries, he also had 22 interceptions. Thank you. I got a little confused. I got a lot of stuff written down on this piece of paper. I was gonna 25, say. 25 fumble, re- fumble recoveries, NFL record, 22 interceptions, which is quite remarkable for a middle linebacker. And they didn't keep sack numbers prior to 1982. So Lord only knows how many quarterback hits he had, but um, people were deathly afraid of this guy. And with good reason, because he played like he wanted to kill you. And I've got a clip here from the ESPN sports century special um, about just what made him tick and how devoted he was to playing football. And just to throw one on his career shortened by injury. I mean, he only played for, you know, eight seasons, um, but he had knee, problems, which, you know, people played in the late 60s, early 70s. They didn't have the kind of medical uh, advances they have now. So any kind of routine or the injury. ACH, in or the steroids. Yeah. Right. Although, you know, there's a scary thought. Back then it was uh, cocaine and alcohol, Dick, baby. Yeah. Dick, which, I'm, you know, Dick Butkus on steroids is a frightening, frightening <laughs> thought. Even more roided out and rageful. But imagine this. I mean, you're the Chicago Bears in 1965 with the number three draft pick. You take Dick Butkus, and then you, through trade, you have also the number four draft pick, and you pick Gale Sayers. Nice. Well done. <laughs> two Hall of Famers, two players whose injury, whose whose careers were derailed early by injuries. Amazing. Just an amazing draft. I mean, it, I mean, I realize it's the third and fourth pick, but, you know, I saw the other players that were picked around them. At one, two, and five, we're not talking, you know, I mean, I don't remember who they are. That's how memorable they are. So the Bears, now they can't draft to save their life. 
Back to well, I tell you, Chicago is not a great town these days. No, it is not. We miss the Cubs. We miss the championship Cubs. I'll tell you that much. Who misses the championship Cubs? Not the, this guy. Huh? I don't miss the championship. <laughs> Chicago Cubs. people from Chicago. No, of course. I mean, between the Blackhawks and the Cubs and everything that's going on, I mean, for God's sakes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Rocky Wirtz is coming over to your house for dinner this weekend. Super. I'll be sure not to, you know, talk about any sort of scandals involving his Thank players. You. <laughs> it gets it rubs him a little the wrong way. Gets uh, a little out of sorts. No pun intended. Uh, so, there. That's horrible. Sorry. Um, we have a clip here from again from the ESPN Sports Century series. Um, did you get uh, the approval to play this? Because I don't want to get sued. I did. I, I thank you. I wrote them. I wrote them a big check for you know three cents. Um, anyway, this is. A couple of writers and an ex-player like Tom Jackson talking about Buckus, and then Dick Buckus himself at the end talking about his level of devotion to playing. So enjoy that. Really, there's no real clip that does his on-field performance justice. Can I ask a question before you play this? Yes. Is it long enough? Can I watch the final episode of the man um, Boba Fett while you play this? Is it that uh, if long? The last episode is 40 seconds. Sure, be oh, my guess. Okay. Just, all right, I figured. I all right. Here we all go. Right, go. Dick was in such a zone when he played that when he was off the field and came down from the excitement and the level at which he played, he didn't remember a lot of that stuff. Dick Buckus said before a game, he would pick out somebody on the other sideline and imagine that that person had done something to his family, done something to his mom, so that he could really hate them when the game started. He did this knowing that he was fooling himself, but using the device that an actor uses to get himself up for a role by imagining that he is that person in that story. I was dead serious. Um, uh, football was my life. It was like a release for me. I swore that if I was going to die, let it be on the field here. So that was, again, at the end, Dick Butkus talking about, if I'm going to die, let me die on the field. Um, so, yeah. And, and even, even today... If you look at him, he's still got the same buzz cut haircut, the same angry mustache. I mean, you look at him and go, this guy was a football player. Born to be a football player, was a football player, will always be a football player. Yet people say that off the field, you know, when, once the, once he stopped playing football, as nice as could be. All the giants are. All the mean guys are nice. Yeah, but on the football field, even off the field, there was, I mean, there's so much in that clip, uh, in that Sports Century episode that you could play. Um but one of the quarterbacks he played with said, even when he wasn't on the field, like the offense was on the field, Butkus would be on the sideline growling and talking to himself so loudly that at one point the quarterback had to look over and go, hey, Dick, shut up. I can't, we can't hear ourselves think out here. So he was always in his zone, even when he wasn't on the field. And that field. quarterback is now dead, correct? He no, died no, that day. Please, no, thankfully he's still alive. Because <laughs> Dick Butkus killed him, right? <laughs> right. Um, and then there was uh, one part where – where you heard where he said he was in a, such a zone that he would come down and, and not remember things. He he would do something on a field and a play later not remember it just because he was so laser focused. And then coming down from it was like coming down from a high. And he would at the end of the game not remember a lot of the things he had done or said. Um, it's kind of not, similar to how I go into our sports talent shows episodes. Right. That's how we all do. It's all it's just an out of body experience. We pretend we're somewhere else. There you go, everybody. Richard Marvin Dick Butkus. Who wore it best, number 51? Who will wear it best for number 52? That's why you tune in every week. That's right. Or every other week or whatever we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Before we move on to our um, 
headlines that make you do lines. Uh, this is something I'd like to do at the beginning of the show this year as well. And that's uh, tip of the old cap A to uh, everybody at the Dean Blundell Podcast uh, Network. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Small hand dryer in the yard. For our good yeah. friends, Dean Blundell and his, his yeah. crew. And uh, look, uh, some some crazy stuff going on up there north of the border there, and the truckers and all that stuff. So we wish them all the best. But uh, yeah. I want to thank the guys there. Uh, some some good stuff coming down the pike with the Dean Blundell Network. And the sports honchos are absolutely proud to be a part of the network. We are. We're proud. That's all I got for you. We're very proud to be part of the Dean Blundell Network. Isn't that in the um, the Canadian National Anthem, something about being, being proud? Right. Proud to be part of the Dean Blundell Network. Is he that powerful that he's now made it into the Canadian National Anthem? No, I just think there's a similar verse in the National Anthem for Canada that says something about being proud. Mm. True North, free and proud. I think that's it. I think that's oh, what it is. Nice job. So That's how you can tell someone who's deeply invested in hockey because you hear the Canadian National Anthem so much when you watch hockey games that you know the words to your anthem and theirs. They're good songs, man. Nice job. Yeah, good fun. songs. I'm Certainly less controversial than some of our anthems here in the untied states. Yes. Very good term there, untied states. Oh, no, you will. All right, pal. Time to bring in. Come on, guys. Come on in. Yes. Right. No. Horn player to the left. Trombone over there to the right. Okay, here we go. It's time for Headlines That Make You Do Lines right here in the Sports Honchos. Featuring the ever-loving Mr. Robert Cuny. With stories from around the globe uh, that might make you just uh, get into cocaine. Here we go, folks. Take it away, brother. All right, headline. We're back to uh, stupid criminals and uh, bad parents. Although not really bad parents so much. I don't know what category she fits into. I guess she'll figure it out at the end. Uh, drug suspect claimed bag of syringes was, quote, for fishing. Oh, that's okay. right. Fishing. Let me write that down in case I need to use that one. So uh, drug, a drug suspect found with fentanyl and a bag of hypodermic needles told, of course, Florida. Florida police that he used the syringes <laughs> oh, fishing, according to an arrest report. Police responding Saturday afternoon to a 911 call about a suspicious person encountered Eric Bennett of, on a Vero Beach street. An officer described Bennett as visibly intoxicated on an unknown substance. Asked about, wait for it, large bulges in the pockets of his shorts and whether he possessed any weapons. Bennett replied, I have hypodermic needles for fishing. He then removed a plastic bag with syringes inside from a pocket and placed the works in the hood of a squad car. Uh, Bennett also handed over a cigarette pack containing a baggie with fentanyl. I don't want to go to jail, said Bennett. <laughs> you think? Whose occupation is this as landscaping? <laughs> oh, man. Interesting. Wow. I'm just trying uh, to think of the all the things that led him to be there at that moment. When arrested, a landscaper. When arrested, Bennett was not carrying any fishing equipment, surprise, surprise, nor did he expound on his purported use of tiny spears to impale a big catch. So, good luck to uh, Mr. Bennett of Vero Beach. Next up. Creative. You got to give him that, Mr. Cuny. He's creative. I mean. He's very creative. I would have tried to come up with at least some a, a follow-up to how the syringes are used for fishing. Hey, you like dipping sauce at McDonald's, Mr. Cuthbert? Do you I like used to. I used to. But now I want to live. Okay. <laughs> Strange. Well, actually. No, you, don't want to eat, you don't want to eat food at McDonald's all the time, people. You're going to die. 
Have, let me true. ask you something before you do. Have you seen the new IHOP commercial? No. All right. So the, the, it, they're saying all you can eat pancakes for like six yeah. bucks. No. And the stack of pancakes is about seven feet high, dripping with syrup and everything. They're, I hop, as far as I'm concerned, they're trying to kill people. Does it come with a free defibrillator? No. <laughs> oh, you can eat pancakes? No? No, I just believe okay. they have two guys in white suits with a gurney ready to take patrons out of there. Scary. All right. Well, speaking of dipping sauces killing you and McDonald's, headline, man cops plea in dipping sauce rage case. Oh, no. This one, uh, not in Florida. This is Des Moines, for all you Iowans. Uh, the McDonald's customer who called in a bomb threat to an Iowa restaurant because he did not receive dipping sauces with his 30-piece chicken McNuggets order has pleaded guilty to harassment charge, according to court records. That's right. A bomb threat. Uh Robert Golwitzer last week copped to a misdemeanor count in connection with a bizarre incident in late June involving McDonald's near his home in... Uh, Ankeny, a Des Moines suburb. According to an Ankeny police report, a McDonald's assistant manager told cops that a man who called the restaurant was, quote, irate due to the fact he had requested 30 chicken nuggets and received no dipping sauce for them. When the worker replied that the patron could return to the restaurant to retrieve the sauces, the man said, no, I'm going to blow up the store and punch you in the face. (laughs) Now, now, okay, I would have... The order of that should have been, I'm going to punch you in the face and then blow up the store. That alone should get you arrested because you blow up the store, there's nothing left to punch. But anyway, um, good old Gowitzer, who lives about five miles from the eatery. Again, so close. That's like the guy we, who put money back in the ATM with a bank he just robbed. You don't blow up at McDonald's five miles from your house. Uh, was quickly identified as the suspect since the threatening call was placed from a phone number associated with Gowitzer. Hey, I'm calling you with caller ID. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> According to uh, the number was captured on the restaurant's caller ID. During police questioning, Gowitzer told cops that he'd gone to McDonald's and the staff had gotten his order wrong. Robert stated he was very upset by this and called into the McDonald's. Uh, Gowitzer recalled telling a McDonald's employee that I hope someone blows your building up and I hope someone punches you in the face. Gowitzer added, quote, I had no intention to blow up the McDonald's. It was just a phrase. So, That's all. He wasn't. Just a phrase. No, not, notice he didn't say I had no intention of punching you in the face, but I had no intention of blowing up McDonald's. Well, the other thing, too, I'm confused about is, is which what was he going to do first? You know, that's the suspense. Right. You got to do the punch first and then, then the. <laughs> and then as you're running out, lob the grenade exactly. over your shoulder. Because you want that satisfaction of a good facial, you know, uh, remodeling of somebody, uh, rearranging before you blow up the store. Do we, okay. Do we know what um, kind of sauce that he liked that he wanted? Shockingly, there was no mention of the kind of sauce. Also, I didn't know McDonald's had the 30 piece. Either that I was, you know, you said that. I was like, McDonald's has a 30 piece? They, too, are trying yes. to kill people. They've been and, trying to and, kill people for years. And, and just as, as, a, as a side note, uh, speaking of McDonald's, uh, clearly not going to be sponsoring this show anytime soon. <laughs> Have you heard about the, the new McDonald's secret menu items? I say with my fingers doing the air quote thing, like the air, land, and sea, which is a burger, a filet of fish, and a chicken sandwich. And the pictures apparently show you the stack. Like, you know, it's Big Mac style, one layer of hamburger, one layer of filet of fish, one layer of McChicken. That they you think when you order they're going to serve to you this Dagwood like sandwich as I hold my arms far apart. Well, when you go to McDonald's, apparently 
if you order this concoction, they just serve you a, a hamburger, a filet of fish sandwich, and a chicken sandwich, and you're supposed to take them and build your own triple decker. That, to me, takes all the fun out of being served a sandwich that has all those things on it. I can just do that myself. It's not really a menu item. Well, let's put it this way. If you go to McDonald's and you order those three or four different things, I mean. No, it's true. I mean, but the air, on. land, and sea. I love it. I love the name of it. So I hope I like to find are out. They, is, they, now, are they struggling, McDonald's, to get people in to eat food? Is is, yeah, is that well, why they're doing these things? McDonald's. Or, or is this is this extra stock that they're trying to get rid of that's just not moving it, in the storage fridge? They're just, they're just always looking for something new. But I, I got to tell you, McDonald's, every kid from the moment they can, you know, utter their first words goes right for the Cheerios or the French fries. You know, from the day you're born, you're, you you already come in with the knowledge that McDonald's is, you know, the place to go eat. So they've got you. They got or to you die. To tomb. Or, right, womb to tomb. They get you coming out of the world, coming into the world and going out of the world. So, again, McDonald's not going to be sponsoring this high-quality program anytime <laughs> soon. All right, we continue. A couple more. Uh, Cal- headline from... Red Voice Media, the reputable news outlet. California Kids Soccer Club. Never heard of the reputable. (laughs) Tries to sell sex toys for fundraiser. Parents put a stop in it. That's That's in Sacramento, California, my friends. The board of a soccer program in California, Natomas Football, spelled F-U-T-B-O-L, Academy, the NFA, launched a fundraising effort that involved the sale of sex toys and products. Wendy Hill, the secretary of hold the... On, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but, you know, I, I know you have this prepared, but, I, I, you know, you have to understand. Me and the thousands of us listening now, you got to back up here. First of all, the fundraiser. Yes. This is for, is this a, this is like a school? Is, the, is there kids? It's like the fundraiser for kids or kids league or something? What? It's it's the the soccer program. the The National Football Academy is a kids soccer academy. Right, that's that's Build. really important here. When you lead into, and I'll let you continue now. Sex toys. That's just trying yes. to okay. Go okay. So Wendy Hill, the secretary of the NFA, is reportedly a sales consultant of sorts for Pure Romance, a mother and son. Yuck City, a mother and son operated sex toy company that encourages women to, quote, take charge of their sexual health. She mentioned the idea of using sales from the lubricants, creams and sex toys company as a donation to the soccer club. Uh, Parents, shockingly enough, I add parenthetically, parents reached out after learning of the fundraiser and said they didn't think it was appropriate. In a statement to local news outlet KCRA News, the parents said, after communicating with several other Natomas FA families, we feel that integrating a youth sports fundraiser with an adult toy vendor was ill-advised. You think? We hope that the Natomas FA board will strongly consider ending this fundraiser with all due haste, as well as giving more thorough scrutiny to any and all fundraising campaigns moving forward. This is supposed to help bring in some money, Hill said. That's the uh, president or the secretary of really co-owner, whatever she is, of this uh, pure romance. Uh, this is supposed to help bring in some money, she said. Some parents are choosing to turn it into something super horrible. Uh, it, 
parents aren't turning it into something super horrible. It is something super horrible. I don't want youth soccer players going, hey, anybody want to buy a dildo? We're trying to buy new uniforms. I mean, come on. Uh, is that really <laughs> Is that really what you want your kids doing? Uh, let's see. Further, Jonathan Keller, president of California Family Council, said any parent would be rightly outraged to see their children selling these items. It's hard to believe this even needs to be said, but no youth program should use minors to sell sex toys. And here's the apology that Hill said. She's the sales rep uh, for the uh, Pure Romance, as well as being on the board of the NFA. Oh, one more question before we go. Yes. This yeah. is after the event, right? All this well, coming down? as much event as it is, I'm going to take the money we make from selling our Pure so, Romance toys and giving it to the soccer club. So they, so this went through. They, they did raise money. Um, I think this was an idea to raise money. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, okay. Right. So it didn't trend. actually happen. Okay. Yes. So uh, as a way of apology, Hill said, we're really sorry that this isn't something that you support. That's a great apology. We'll try to do a better, we'll try to do better next time. So the Facebook post about the fundraiser has been deleted. Um, you know, it's one of those things like, like our school has, if you go to Chipotle on Tuesday, you know, uh, uh, 10% of the proceeds of every burrito you buy go towards, you know, the school. So I guess this is something like that. You buy our sex toys and some of the money goes to this football academy. I don't think it was a formal fundraising effort for anything in particular. And it's then it dumb. down pretty, pretty quickly. Dumb. So, um, yeah, so there you go. And that apology, great apology. We're sorry that you don't like it. Good job. And again, this woman is on not everybody's the, in the mood on the board of the NFA, the Natomas Football Academy. Well, maybe uh, maybe next episode you, you find out how that that whole league is doing. And sure, maybe we, well, can, you know maybe, maybe we can start a fundraiser here in the Honchos. It'll be like our uh, Presbyterian Blue Hose update. There you yeah. go, baby. Yeah. The Natomas Football. Update. I can't wait for the full. So, all right, last one. And I get to bring back an old friend. And now an, a sound effect that is now loaded into my good old Roadcaster Pro. And so here to introduce this last story, Sports Honcho's news correspondent, Homer Simpson. Anyone for penis? So here's the, here's the headline. Horrible. <laughs> headline from the New York Post. Mom gets ruler tattoo. To measure penis sizes before sex. Oh, where? <laughs> Anyone well, for I... penis? Oh. And wait till you Did get... Did you say mom? Yes. I oh, said come on. Mom with a 14-year-old daughter who's part of the story, not the way some of you sickos think. The woman's name, by the way, Tracy Kiss. That's right. K-I-S-S. Does Gene Simmons know she's using that last name? Neither he, neither he nor Paul Stanley know that. They're dragging that. She's dragging the name of that. They band. will sue her ass. They probably will. <laughs> after they, you know. Oh, hey. Ruler. <laughs> so, uh, Tracy Kiss stunned family and friends after having a ruler tattoo inked down her forearm so she could accurately measure the length of her prospective partner's penises. Not easy to say. Nice alliteration. Prospective partner's penises. The so sex she's no longer mom, married, obviously. The sex-minded mom, who has a 14-year-old daughter, told Jam Press that she's looking for a well-endowed boyfriend and her new body art is a practical design and tool to enhance my life, so to speak. The tattoo does not include any numbers, so it doesn't like look like your conventional school ruler. Instead, it has dots that are spaced an inch apart up Kiss's arm. As it doesn't have numbers, it's actually rather discreet, 
she says. Okay, now that she's told everybody about it, it can't be that discreet. It's something people may not think about when shaking my hand. God help us. And won't look out of place in a nursing home when I'm 90. But will always put a smile on my face and twinkle in my eye, she further enthused. Kiss, who said she has a high libido and once had sex 11 times a day, said knowing a partner's size is important to her. I'm a woman who enjoys pleasure, body confidence, and intimacy and feel that women have just as much right as men to speak honestly about sexual encounters, she declared. Oh, like there's some merit there, I guess. Kiss's teenage daughter initially believed the tattoo was designed to measure bananas and cucumbers, so to speak, um, before she finally clocked what the erotic inking was actually for. My daughter is at an age now where she realizes my cheeky sense of humor. Good writing. Uh, and picks up on all the adult jokes which she'd missed before, her mom said. And that would be the end of that story. Anyone for penis? So, there you go. She was thinking about um, a similar tattoo on her thumb and forefinger for measuring girth, she said, but has decided against that. What, where, where, where is she from again? Uh, New York. She's from New York. I believe so. Disappointing. Wait a minute. No, I take that back. She is not from New York, even though it was in the New York Post. Please hold, everyone. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. It can't be someone from our neck of the woods. The greatest state in the whole country. Um, Oh, of course. Not from Florida. Not from this country. She is a Brit. Well, there you go. That explains everything. And so my question then to you is, the uh, the tattoo upper arm, is it in inches or centimeters? Ah, Mr. Cutie. Yeah. Anyone for penis? All right, oh. enough, enough. Oh, we got a little NCAA news, and we're going to start the sports program off fiscally right now. And we haven't done this in a couple of weeks, but we're bringing back the drums. Yeah. No, we're not bringing well, those horns back. Drums. That's not the drums. That's the drums are on this side. Let's try that again. See, folks, that's what happens when you take a week off. We'll edit that out in post-production. No, we don't do any editing here. Don't tell anybody that. I like to... No editing here at the Sports Honcho. We are live and alive. We screw up, we screw up. We're not funny, we're not funny. We don't make any sense, we don't make any sense. If we're stupid, we're stupid. But we're always good-looking. That's the difference here at the Honchos. Exactly. We're dumb and (laughs) good-looking. What do you got for us, buddy? All right, so now we now downshift and transition into the Rob Cuny gets angry portion of today's program. We talk basically everything we're going to talk about from now through the dope of the week is going to really grind my gears, as the great Peter Griffin once said. All right, I have nothing about college football on the field. At least this is not a story about nil rights or the transfer portal or what school is jumping to what conference. Instead, I've got a story of political correctness gone cuckoo nutty with the University of Nebraska Cornhuskers. So you can be angry at any number of, of sources as to why Nebraska to do this. Uh, Nebraska is altering their mascots hand gestures to avoid white this. supremacy. So the University of Nebraska has made a change to its cartoon mascot, Herbie Husker. I got to look at this guy now. To eliminate confusion about the meaning of a hand gesture he makes that some people connect with white supremacy. No, he's not giving people the finger. 
in case you're wondering. That would be awesome if you had a mascot that was giving everyone the finger. Instead, um, uh, in the original depiction of the mascot, which debuted in the early 70s, Herbie's left hand made the OK sign with the index finger and thumb forming a closed circle. In recent years, some hate groups have come to use the gesture as a sign for white power. Three straight fingers make a W, and the circle formed next to an extended finger makes a P. Herbie's left oh, hand I see well it. Known, yeah. I see makes it. the okay. well-known we're number one sign with his index finger raised. So there's that. Um, look. Yeah, it's, no, I got to tell you, it's it's a good move. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen it, the old one, the original one, yeah, no, they had to change it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> because some some maniacs use it as a white supremacy sign. How about we, if we use the OK well, sign? Well, let's look at they, the guy. Look, look at the guy. He's got. He's a white I guy. Have, I he's can't a white guy. look at my. Oh, let me look at my phone. Hold on. Oh, you wait a second. You're reporting this, and you haven't even researched and took a look at this. You're, look, you're gonna tell me right now. You're gonna look at this picture right now. You preface the whole thing, preface the whatever. I'm going to get angry and stuff like that about this stuff. And you didn't even look at this thing? I looked at it once, but I'll look at it again if you think it's No, messed. I'm talking I've about, you look, did you look at the new one or the original I've, one? I've seen the original one. You have to get it. You understand why they had to change this. No, I don't agree that, you know, you have to change everything all the time. Oh, look, there it is. Okay, I mean, I don't agree that and because what is, and look at the, it's got he's got a big on. N on his suspenders. Well, that stands for Nebraska. Oh, we okay. Eliminate the N well, because a... there's other words that begin with N. Listen, just because some idiots appropriate something and use it for their own good doesn't mean we can't appropriate it back. Doesn't mean you can't ignore and quell that kind of hatred and say but, this is the okay. But sign. hold on a it's second. Been around a lot longer than these idiots who are now using it as a white Everybody who's listening to this on the archive, I want you to pause. Pause the show. And I want you to look up the original logo that they had to change here. All right? Now that you're caught up, here we go. It's not just the hand signal, okay? It's mm-hmm. the smirk on his face. It's his... his. It looks like a really mean guy. He looks white very... Guy. He's a white guy. He's blonde hair. I mean... Come on. They had to change that. But that's not what they intended, I'm sure. I wasn't around when they designed the logo, but I'm sure it wasn't intended to be an unhooded Klansman. What if the what if Herbie Husker was a person of color? Is there any the- history behind the OK sign for Nebraska? Is there? Why is he doing that? Why is he holding that sign up? Why is he holding the sign up? Why is he making that okay sign? The okay sign? Yeah, exactly. Why? Uh, I, I'm, why does it have to be? Why does the answer have to be because he's representing hate? And you didn't answer my because question. That guy right. is representing. I noticed hate. You, that you, is a racist logo. How is it racist? Because it's a white guy who looks like you know he's had a lot of. All right, he's, oh, by the way, folks, he's wearing a cowboy hat. Oh well, there you go. So We're it, just, all, it just gets worse fans, and worse. All fans of the Dallas Cowboys, we apologize for saying that people who wear cowboy hats are racist. They might be. No, cow- but Super this Bowl guy team. has a cowboy hat on, and he's making a racist He's a symbol. Farmer. We with- love farmers. They're America's heartbeat. But anyway, I get why they have to change it, and bravo. And I like the new guy. He's got the number one in there. I like it. It's good. Okay, it's you didn't answer my question, go. though. 
Now, here's the other thing. The new guy, See, man, his don't face. Don't answer my question. Hold on a second. I will answer your question a second because I'm looking at the I'm new logo. Like I'm looking at the new logo. The basketball guy, oh, man, his face is messed up, man. It's almost got, it, it's almost the new guy has a smirk like, they made me change this, and now I got to look like this. That is just so funny. Yeah, that's a racist. That's, oh, totally, man. That's, that's awful. Yeah, they had to change it. Okay, I'm going to answer your question now. <laughs> what if they just made Herbie Husker instead of a dopey-looking white guy, if they made him a dopey-looking person of color? Same hat, same overalls, same okay sign. Uh, that would be okay. I see what you did there. That <laughs> no, would be because, okay. Because people of color don't go around using the okay sign as a as a racist symbol. But neither do all white people. Just what because the bad ones do. White. It's the same reason. It's the same reason German sports teams don't have Hitler on their shirts. No, 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 no. no. I'm going to have to stop you right <laughs> yes, there. Come on. Okay. Uh, nobody is going to confuse the swastika. It's the same reason the Redskins are now the Commandos. Oh, the Commodores, actually. I they're wish the they were the Commandos. Yeah, come on, they're the Commodores. <laughs> I wish, they, were, I wish are they had Arnold Schwarzenegger as their logo and they were the Commandos. Uh, no, I'm not going to put an OK sign that a small group has appropriated for their own evil purposes on the same level as a swastika. I'm just not going to do it. It's, a, it's the a same sign. What, wait, the symbol of white power, right? That little symbol that they put. Where does white power come from? It's white nationalism, right? Which goes all the way back to the land of Germany where the bad guy started it all. Actually, uh, it goes farther back than the land I of know, Germany. I it's, know. It goes way back. My point is this is another internet creation. It is. This well, was not look, a symbol that was used pre-internet by a bunch of morons. Yeah, and the, but people didn't see that. Like, I'm I'm actually – it's funny, right? We're college football fans and stuff. Like, I've never – now, their, their mascot guy – he just walks around like a goofball. I've never. That's the first time I've seen that, and I'm looking. I'm going, "Ooh, that's bad." It's not you, just the symbol. It's the smirk. It's the Caucasian guy. It's the cowboy hat. It's if everything. you had looked at that symbol, if you had looked at the mascot, you had a, a thumbs up. I would have been like, "That's great." You would have thought nothing of it if you didn't know this story existed, and you were just happening to be looking at Nebraska mascots for whatever reason. You'd think nothing of it. You'd no, think nothing of it. I would look at it and I go, "Yeah, that's." I no, get what. Without any preconceived notions, if I just said, "Hey, look at their mascot," what do you think? You'd be like, "Um, oh, that's you know a dopey farmer." No, that's a racist that's, farmer using a racist symbol. Racist about that's it. A white power symbol. I can't get out of my head now, and I know why they changed it because it, it, here we are, modern times. Like you say, we'll never see the. But you know what? This is twenty twenty one. We've seen all the white power symbols. We've seen it come up in the last couple of years under the previous administration where it really got brought to another level. I'm sorry. That guy's got to go. Let me tell you something. I'm going to continue to use the okay sign if people ask me how I'm doing. Hey, I'm doing okay. And if they want to say that I'm some sort of racist, misogynist asshole, fine. I just, Did you I'm see not the gonna, face I'm... on that guy? Did you see the face on this logo? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Look, look, that is a racist smirk on that on that mascot. There are lots of people, (laughs) white and black, and you know all colors of the rainbow that have that same. Oh, get out of here, cutie! You know this awful. You know why they had to change it. This is not a bit. I don't think it's awful. I think it's dumb. I think this is why people 
are becoming incredibly tone deaf to real claims of racism and discrimination because things like this, people say, look, we got rid of the okay sign. So our job is done here. Look at us. Small step. Small step. It's the only that step. guy's got to go. That's the problem. Decision. Nebraska say, "Look, we 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 conquered racism by getting rid of the OK sign. What more <laughs> do you want from us?" I wouldn't say they conquered it, but at least they've made the, you know, the world a little bit better getting rid of that racist. <laughs> 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 that racist college football fan of a farmer. You know, oh, folks, you know who, by the way, you know who shit. you never hear complaining about the Nebraska mascot? Uh, not a single, in, in the, the stories I've read, not a single athlete of color or white or any athlete has said, yeah, we don't like playing for it Nebraska with their white power mascot. It ain't right, that man. Me, that to me holds more water than a bunch of guilt ridden white guys saying, oh, you got to get rid of that. Got to get rid of that. Got to get rid of that, man. Got to get rid of it so we can sleep better at night. That ranks right up there with, I'm not a racist, I have a black friend. That's where I put that move. Right up there at the same shelf is that terrible line about, uh, well, I can't what? be racist. We're gonna do here. We're I have gonna one us, black friend. We're going to let our Sports Honchos fan base here. They're going to look up the original logo. Go ahead. And we'll get some feedback here. That guy's got to go. Go ahead. And What's then his... get rid of every OK sign in all literature. No, no, it's not images. just the OK sign. It's the guy. It's the cowboy hat. It's the smirk on his face. Now you're being racist by huh? saying you're being look at you just making stereotypes and generalizations about white people with cowboy hats and smirks. No, that's not a stereotype. That's the truth. White no. people well, you know, all stereotypes. look like that who put up that sign on their hands. No, all stereotypes <laughs> have a little little grain of truth in them. So don't hide behind that, Mr. Cuthbert. Oh, man. Anyway, that guy's he's got to go. Good call there by Nebraska. I'm okay. With Terrible. I hate Nebraska now. <laughs> don't get in Nebraska, folks. You know, get off the plane in Nebraska in Lincoln. See, that's why Lincoln Riley left. Actually, he left Oklahoma. When you get off the plane in Lincoln, Nebraska, double-fingered, double-barreled okay sign. <laughs> I love Nebraska. God, classic. Classic. All right, buddy. There's a big football game being played this weekend. Shall we talk about it? Are there big dumb white guys flashing okay signs? Uh, Oh no, I'm sorry. We're actually, ladies and gentlemen, special treat today. We are going to go in depth and review every single play of the Pro Bowl this past weekend. So anyway, let's bring that will be in the the box set of this uh, of the sports (laughs) haunches, the collectors only box set. All right, let's bring in our two favorite NFL specialists. What are the? Is that the right word? I don't know. Right, I'm still experts. That's what I meant that's to say. Experts. Oh my god! I'm sorry. I was thrown off by the racist white guy from Nebraska. Hell, you old son of a bitch! How you doing? How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins fourth and three play on their thirty-yard line with only thirty-four seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed? Bewildered? It's very exciting. Yeah, it is, fella. Oh, right on, amigo. Damn straight. Damn straight. <laughs> oh, fucking A. Fucking A, right. Ah! <laughs> yeah, baby. The National Mediocrity League 2020 
2021-2022 season is coming to an end. This is the last week of Rob and his happiness. Until After August. After next Sunday, it will be depressed Rob preparing for our Pete Rose episode coming up in the summer. But anyway, here we go. Great cities of Cincinnati and Los Angeles are being represented in the greatest sport event of all mankind this Sunday in the Rams' backyard with that stupid logo. Terrible. And uh, what is it? It's uh, Super Bowl Livy? Super Bowl LVI Livy 56. 56. Take and, it away, uh, Mr. Cooney. Once again, I will renew my annual plea to the NFL to go back to the individual, unique Super Bowl logos, which they stopped doing a few years ago. Just this dumb, gray, Roman numeral, except the only thing that changes is the number. The Super Bowl logos are all the same. They used to have very distinctive logos, some of which were designed to have the look and feel of the city. So when they were, when the Super Bowl was in New Orleans, they had that, you know, that old Louisiana French Quarter sort of look, the same sort of script that you find on the Saints uh, logo. It's just, and they incorporated roses into the Pasadena Super Bowl logo. And now it's just, you know, no, it's, a, it's a bloody logo. There's all blood all over it. What's with the, all the blood? All the blood? The blood in the logo. This year's logo. There's blood in this year's logo. Now, oh, wow! Now you got to look up the logo, please. Look it up. It's just the gray LVI that it usually is. No, no. Look up the logo right now. And we got to do this again. Please, it's hold. Ha- ladies and gentlemen, it's There's Paul and Rob. Logo. Fun with images. Here we go. Uh, Super Bowl Fifty Six logo. No. All right. Uh. Oh, it's not blood. That's, that's blood. Just, those are, that's just blood. sunset and so palm It's like somebody was stabbed and dropped on top of that logo. It's, it's, if you look closely, it's, uh, it's sunset and, and palm trees. But I don't have still, time to look close at these it's, things. It's terrible. These logos are awful. I only look close at these logos when I assume it's a racist They're right. image. There's nobody giving the OK sign in the background <laughs> of the Super Bowl 56 logo. <laughs> So, yeah, so this Sunday um, will be uh, the last day that I'm alive until, you know, the end of August. Um, and I will be taking my annual day off on Monday to mourn and grieve my one day uh, of sitting Shiva for the, the, well, the NFL you season. You tell me you can't watch uh, NFL films or NFL Network for 24-7 until kickoff next same. September? No? It's not the same. I need the live action, baby. Right. I need to watch my Washington Commander skins, you know, losing eight or nine games live as opposed to watching film. Sure, once in a while I can go on YouTube and see some highlights from seasons past or watch my highlights of my favorite players, but it's just not the same. It's a tease is what it is. But well, with we're the all NFL, here for you, buddy. There's never, you. there's never an offseason. You'll have the combine, you'll have the draft, you'll have training camps and free agency and all that other Michigan. So really there's no downtime. But in terms of something to watch on Sunday – you know, I have to learn how to socialize with people again, and you know, what about um, what about work. watching the Pro Bowl over no, again? The Pro Bowl is an abomination. You did tape it, right? No, the Pro Bowl is a farce. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, the Pro Bowl is really it's an affront to humanity. Why? Why? Why has it become that way? I know Mr. San Deontan has got upset about it. I turned it on because I was going back and forth the other day. What could be more exciting today? The Pro Bowl where they don't tackle each other. Mm-hmm. Or the NASCAR driving around in a very small oval in the L.A. Coliseum. 
And Good question. But I didn't they, last they, too long they, with either of them, I'll tell you that much. I mean, look, first of all, as, as just full disclosure, I'm not really an all-star game person, except the baseball all-star game. And and primarily because... I'm with you there. And primarily because it, it, it resembles an actual game. And yeah, it does. It was much better before baseball screwed everything up by going to interleague play. It, it, the World Series and the All-Star Game were a chance to see players compete against each other that don't get to play in the same league. It was great. All that, all the greatness of baseball has just been zapped by, you know, money, of course, and everything else they do. But the traditions of baseball are all but gone now because of money and TV and so on. But I still like the MLB All-Star Game. I'll tune in for a few innings, um, at least as background noise. But the problem with the Pro Bowl is it's not that it's not entertaining. It's just oh, it's, it's not entertaining. It's a joke. It's something disguised as football. Yeah. And and it's just it's a sh- first of all the the amount of players that don't actually show up for All Star games, which is something we'll discuss over the summer. My solution to getting people who are named All Stars to actually come to the All Star games it's appalling. I mean, I was watching. I, I saw some highlights and I saw Mac Jones. And I'm like, how many quarterbacks did they go through in the AFC before they got to Mac Jones <laughs> playing in the Pro Bowl? I mean, no, no thing. I mean, Mac Jones had a fine rookie season, but you know, playing in the same conference with about five or six other quarterbacks that are appreciably better meant that five or six other quarterbacks, ooh, my arm, my arm, my arm hurts. Then you I know, got the COVID. The like yeah. Ovi, Ovi, Ovi pulled the COVID card. Get out of the yeah. All Star game. Um, but I'd like. I've heard some some ideas about what to do in place of the Pro Bowl, which they're never going to get rid of because people still watch. You know, you can up the amount of money um, that you give every player. No one is suggesting doing something as stupid as, say, you know, home field advantage in the Super Bowl for the winning conference, but not because it never matters in the Super Bowl. How about a sniper in the press box? But, well, that would work. And then get Damon Wayans to throw a football from the field into the press box, a la The Last Boy Scout. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Give myself a, that ding for that reference. Nice. But I've heard um, taking the two last place teams, or the two teams with the worst record, um, and instead of the Pro Bowl, have those two teams play a real game to decide who gets the number one draft pick, which would generate a lot of interest because they're actually playing with something at stake, and not just the, the markets that those two teams belong to. And I also heard, and this is super wacky, but I love it. Do you remember, and you probably do because you're, you know, over the hill like I am. Do you remember the Battle of the Network Stars? I do. Okay, how you'd get, when they only had three kids, there was a time there was only three networks, ABC, yeah. NBC, CBS, not even Fox. And they would take stars from those shows on those three networks and have them battle it out in obstacle courses and swimming and all kinds of events. And Howard the Great, Howard Cosell would broadcast and they made a huge abc made a huge production out of it like it was the super bowl and so someone suggested a battle of the network stars with football players so they're not getting hurt they're not playing football and risking injury but they're playing for something in in non-traditional events by by non-traditional i mean they're not football related and you know you can make it look like a fancy espn nbc fox cbs broadcast and you would have just, you know, you could see, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in an obstacle course. Or, you know, see a swimming contest between, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, um, you know, Aaron Donald. The two Aarons duking it out. 
And that way, more people would attend and have it someplace back in Hawaii, for instance, where people actually want to go. And you are. To- I hope you didn't spend too long on this. Oh, I've been thinking about this for my for a long, long time. <laughs> this is. I just think and, this is one uh, of you, another outlandish CUNY. No, no, I heard this idea from someone. I take no credit for this. I just I thought it was a good idea. Well, that person spent too much time on this. One thing that other All Star games have to do, I, I guess, only basketball and, and hockey. Um, you got to get rid of the whole "let's pick captains" bullshit. Just you know, Western let's Conference. Have, let's have a quick, a quick, small discussion on this. And uh, it's one All-Star question: games? Why do you think they do that stuff? The captains. All all the extra. Every year, whether it's the NHL, the uniforms uh, this year for baseball, um, you know, the Pro Bowl sucks. As far as I'm concerned, let these guys go home to their families. They just beat the shit out of each other for 17 weeks in training right. camp. Just let them go home, all right? We don't right. need to see this. I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. But but people— but why do you I, think—why do you think they have to tr- try and throw all the stuff in there, right? We always talk about this, right? It's about TV ratings. It's, they're right. trying to get eyeballs— on these games, so they got to create something stupid, like the NASCAR racing in the LA Coliseum on Sunday, right? You know, because their viewership is down. The Pro Bowl viewership was the worst, I think, since what? There's some stat of like the worst since like 1990 or something. But it's six still, million people, even at its worst, still does well compared to other sporting events. Oh, that blows away all NHL viewing. Yeah, I mean, it's just because it's football. It's just, well, no, because why. you know why? You know that $6 million is? Those are the gamblers. That's the DraftKings. That's the FanDuel. That's fantasy, whatever the shit's going on. That's what that is. But that's, I mean, not a, that's not a national all-star game like you were saying. I agree with you, man. I think baseball is still great. At least it's a game. The guy's got to get up there. There's no way to real unless, unless the pitcher gets up there and, like, throws underhand. You know what I'm right. saying? They got to play the game. But, I mean, baseball still at least respects the game and the integrity integrity of the game. Put that in quotes. Yeah, be careful. There. As much as possible in the Major League Baseball All Star Game, and I realize there's less potential for injury. And whereas, when if you play football and play it like you're supposed to play it, you're right. Nobody wants to say my career ended because I blew out my my knee in the in the Pro Bowl. But have something. If you're not going to play real football, like I would be happy. Happy is a strong word. I, you know, I'd be okay if they said we're not going to play real football. We're going to play flag football. You know, and put them out there in shorts and t-shirts and flags around their waist and say, you know, it, it's a whole no, new game. It's just because they're already playing football without blocking and tackling and in real hitting. So why just drop the facade? You'll see these players out their helmets on, which is good for marketing. You know, you can sponsor it, put the names of the, the, the T-shirts, have the sponsor, corporate sponsor on the back. You have the Geico team versus the progressive team, for instance. Whatever. I, I it's got just, an idea. Uh, here we go. I got an idea. I'm going to throw this at you, all right? I hate it already. Now, you get all the punters and all the field goal kickers, mm-hmm. and they play against the linebackers. In a regular game of football? Sure. <laughs> a game of football. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. The, the point is, it doesn't matter because they're always going to have the Pro Bowl. It's always going to be a joke, and it's never going to go away. But I just – so I don't bother watching it. It holds no interest for me. Well, we have to believe $6 million, the gambling, all that stuff, somehow, some way, the NFL made money on that. Yeah. 
because otherwise they wouldn't have it. If they weren't making money off that game, they wouldn't have that game. I mean, the only, one of the smartest things they did, the NFL, was to say, nobody's going to watch after the Super Bowl. Nobody gives a shit. Yes. So let's put it in that week between the end of the reg- the end of the between Championship Sunday and the Super Bowl. The only time that I that when it was used to be after the Super Bowl, the only time that I was interested was um, the year the Redskins got blown out by the Raiders, thirty-eight to nine. Uh, the following Sunday was the Pro Bowl, and uh, Joe Theismann was named MVP of that game because he actually came and played, even though he had just lost the Super Bowl the week before, he took out his, quote, revenge uh, against the AFC. He wanted to go to Hawaii. Come on. That's fine. Whatever the reason was, and you know, to my 14 or 13-year-old eyes, 14, I guess, uh, it looked like real football to me. I was just happy to have one more game. But now, as a discerning adult, (laughs) uh ha-ha-ha, it's just it's dopey, and I, I, there was no way having it after the Super Bowl could last. So, so there you go. I don't know, but we spent way too much time on the Pro Bowl. Yes, yeah, see, <laughs> funny, funny how we did that, huh? We did. That's so we're gonna skip everything else besides football tonight, because you know we got there's so much football to talk about. There's still so much anger to come, <laughs> and we haven't even talked about the Super Bowl. Look, I'm not gonna do you know, a a position-by-position breakdown on the Super Bowl. It comes down to this. It comes down to where all good football is made. Okay, they say all good hockey is made up the middle. You have to be strong up the middle in hockey. You have to be strong up the middle in baseball. Okay, in football, you have to be strong in the trenches. Your offensive and defensive lines, that's what's going to propel you to victory in most cases. Yes, having a great quarterback helps. But you got to have a line to protect that quarterback and another line on the other side to get to the quarterback. And in this case, um, the Bengals and the Rams match up pretty well with each other, except on the lines. The Bengals have a weaker, I won't say weak, but a weaker offensive line compared to the strength of the Rams' defense, which is their defensive line. So the battle to watch, when you're not watching Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford, the battle to watch is how the Bengals' offensive line banged up as it is and overpowered as it is stands up against Aaron Donald and Floyd Leonard Floyd and Von Miller, because remember those, those the three of them finally started to gel and come alive in the playoffs. That's how they beat Brady. And that's how they beat San Francisco. We have, you know, a couple coaches who are, you know, there's no coaching strength here. I mean, yes, McVay has been to the Super Bowl before. He's been coaching longer, but he really hasn't done anything. He's now been to two Super Bowls, and the last Super Bowl he went to was completely outcoached by, you know, the greatest coach ever. So at least he's facing Zach Taylor and not Bill Belichick this time. Um, Stafford, you're just waiting for him to make some kind of mistake. You don't know about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, you know, he doesn't get rattled, but will he have the time to make the throws? He's certainly mobile, more mobile than we thought. So really, all the other positions kind of a wash. It comes down to those lines, you know, who's going to win that battle in the trenches. I do think you've got a slight advantage in the running game for Cincinnati. Slight advantage over the Rams, and especially since Akers is a fumbler and Mixon really isn't. So I think think it's going to be a pretty good game. I hope it's a good game. I think it'll be a close game, but... If the Rams get to Burrow early and he has no, there's another nine sack day, like like they had against Tennessee. Matt Stafford's not throwing three easy interceptions 
like Ryan Tannehill. That's for sure. This, this is not let's get to Joe Burrow. Um, well, let's let our quarterback get sacked because ultimately the quarterback for the other guys is going to throw his way into a loss. So if the Rams get rolling early on defense, it's going to be a long afternoon for the Bengals. But if the Bengals can, you know, keep that defensive line check and keep the sacks down to say two or three, spread out over the game, you know, my I give the nod to Cincinnati. So my pick, I think, my official pick, I think Cincinnati is going to squeak out a victory. There's just something about the 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 clutch gene in both the kicker and the quarterback and just the balls on Joe Burrow. You know, I think it just, he's going mean, to – look, the big stage doesn't bother him. The last time he had a big big championship game, you know, he only had – he capped off one of the – you, You've been, you've been riding Stafford all year. That was your boy. That was your man. I, look, he the got anti-vaxxer, the super dude, the cool guy, you know. Stafford? From, yeah, from training camp, the whole thing. I, I thought he was going to make the Rams, you know, a contender, and he did. Look, yeah. he's in the Super Bowl. And now, and now, you're, you know, now you're dropping him. Well, I Drop, have to pick You're dropping some. him like a bad habit. I, I never said he was the best quarterback out in the NFL. I just said he's going to make the difference. He's going to make the Rams a contender. But I think ultimately this role that Cincinnati's on, and whatever they do at halftime, they, you know, none of us really know about halftime adjustments sitting here on the they're couch. Watch the halftime show. That's what they're going to do at halftime. Sure. I, you know, I think whatever happens in the first half, Cincinnati will figure out a way to counteract it if it's not going their way. So I, you know, Cincinnati and a squeaker. And hey, I've been I've picked against Cincinnati the entire playoffs, and each time it's blown up in my face. So roll Bengals, who day? even though they stole that from, you know, New Orleans and LSU. Look, they've had that kind of a season. Yep. You know, we talked about the the game against Tennessee and everything, and that was just a shock. But that's that's the beauty of football. It's the beauty of football playoffs. It comes down to this one the game. And look at the Rams. The home field, the new building, all the changes they made, and they got through. They got past Brady, the whole nine yards. And, you know, we we all, like I said, oh, by the way, me and you have to go to uh, Cincinnati at some point now because we both said there was no way Kansas City was losing to the Bengals. Yeah. I, twice I've picked against the Bengals, and what a dope I am. Yeah. I'm not the dope of the week this week. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, it can't be the dope of the week if I'm just constantly a dope. So I just think, look, I mean, the Super Bowl, I mean, the, the playoff games to me are the, the best games out of this whole run up to the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's feast or famine with Super Bowl games. You either get great ones or you get blowouts. Or you don't know what's going to happen. And this game, I, I'm i with you with in the fact I think there's just something. Burroughs has got some badass luck on his side right now. You know, look. look what he, he makes did. his own luck. Well, look it's what not- he did at LSU. And he's a bit of a stud. He's young. It's like he, to me. And don't go crazy about comparing. But when you think back when Brady came into the league, you know he was a he came into to New England and they were down. They were just not a really good franchise at the time or whatever. And Cincinnati has had his share of failures, obviously thirty years of it, you know, until making the playoffs. There's just something about this kid, man. And even and I think you bring a great point. I've always said, you know, uh, it's definitely offensive lines win Super Bowl. So his offensive line has to play like there's no tomorrow. And give him the yep. protection, and hopefully he can hit the weapons he can. And and I think the pressure's all on the Rams. The pressure's all on McVay. So 
I think if Cincinnati gets up by a touchdown or 10 points or whatever, you know, they start making the Rams think twice about everything, and we'll see what happens. And that is true about the pressure. That's one thing I, I, I didn't think about, and, but I've mentioned it before that, you know, Cincinnati is all in. I mean, Los Angeles is all to lose. They just started, man. The Rams just started. The Rams are all in on this team. They have they, they don't have a first-round draft pick for the next three drafts, and they're like, we don't care about the future. We want to win now, and they're certainly set up to win now. And not winning, although they can bring, you know, the team back next year and they'll get Robert Woods back, the receiver that really would make that team dangerous. Although I guess the OBJ replacement has worked out for them. But not winning this year is going to be seen as nothing short of a disappointment. They'll burn that new stadium down. (laughs) They have told their fan base, our future is really going to be bad when we don't have any draft picks and Matt Stafford, you know, ages out and, Von Miller ages out and we lose all our players and the salary cap hell that we'll be in eventually. So we got to win now this year, next year, maybe the year after that's it. Then it's a long walk through the wilderness for you Ram fans. So yeah, the pressure's on for Cincinnati and Rams fans are not like Dallas Cowboy fans. Like even no. when they suck, they still go to the games. No, Ram, that, that beautiful, gorgeous building spaceship of a uh, stadium. They built it will be dark it's- and empty. <laughs> It was pretty loud. And then they before. get the charges in there, too. It's a horror show. What were they thinking, man? San Francisco represented very well in that in, on Championship Sunday in that stadium. But the Bengals are set up to win for the next few years. The team's young. Um, a lot of people still playing under rookie contracts. So they got a few years to figure out the salary cap situation. And, and they can just start building now a better offensive line. Perhaps go the free agent route, certainly draft somebody or two in this upcoming draft. Um, they took a chance. They could have drafted, you know, the stud Sewell offensive lineman from Oregon uh, in this past draft. Instead, they went for Jamar Chase. And people were like, are you crazy? Y- who's going to protect uh, Joe Burrow? But yet it seems to have worked pretty, pretty well for Cincinnati drafting Jamar Chase instead of Penny Sewell. But isn't that how it always is, right? It just it, you get this luck is a big part of the game. Injuries are such a big part of the game. Uh, you know, guys having a shitty performance on the other side for the other team. You know, everybody Mahomes, his backyard up. You know, twenty one out of the gate. You know, they were cruising, they were crushing. There's yep. no way they lose that game in Kansas City. Nope. And and, and, and it and happened. It, yep. And also now there's also additional luck and injuries, then you just sometimes get coaching arrogance. Sometimes these coaches like an Andy Reid or a Bill Belichick, you know, they start to believe what people say about them and they'll make decisions like, you know, going for a touchdown at the end of the half and having the clock run out instead of, you know, putting some more points on the board. So it's, it's whatever team plays within itself and whatever coach stays with his own game plan and, doesn't get too cocky and too arrogant, either player or coach. You know, they're the ones that usually come out on top. Just play the game you've been playing all year to get here. And that's how the shift happens, too. You got a guy like Zach Taylor comes in here and he takes advantage of Reed. And, and, and maybe not, it may, might not have only been Reed. It might have been his veteran, you know, cocky, you know, four straight conf, yep. con, you know, home games here, uh, trips to the conference championship, and they just figured there's no way they're going to lose to the Bengals here. And those guys got complacent. Those guys get tired. I mean, that's the human element, too. And then, like I said, the the Bengals and Burrs, they just they said, oh, my God, we got an opening here. Let's go for it. And just yep. everything. 
they don't quit. That's that's the thing. You can see that when you watch Cincinnati play, and it's not they're not the only ones that do this, but they don't stop playing. They just keep going until the final gun sounds. You don't you don't look at them and see a team that's you know looking down at the ground or has this thousand yard stare when things are wrong. Even you know Joe Burrow, he gets sacked nine times and he still looks like he's in command. Yeah, and they still play. There's no panic. And I think when teams play the Chiefs, for instance, there's this notion that they get far out ahead and they can score at will. It doesn't take them very long to score, and so teams get out of their game plan early and panic. And when you panic, that usually winds up not working out very well for you. The Bengals don't panic, which is unusual for a young team like that and a team that's not used to success, quite frankly. So you know, all you know, props to Zach Taylor because – you know, he's got coordinators to call plays, but he's the leader. He sets the tone for the team, and the team doesn't panic because he doesn't panic. I don't know if he, you know, what kind of halftime speeches he makes or what how he talks to his team. If he's a yeller or a thrower, does he knock over tables? Does he punch the wall? Or is he just like, look, here's what we have to do, folks. Whatever he's doing, they respond to him, and they respond to Joe Burrow. And he's you know? a rookie. Well, his second year, but, you know, his first he's year was still, he's a short baby. Injury. Yeah, he's, he's young. And they gave him, what, $36 million? Uh, whatever. The, you get, there's a scale for rookies. So, no, not $36 million. $36? Now, his next contract, after his this initial five-year contract with the Bengals, he stands to make just a steaming pile of money. And if he wins the Super Bowl, uh, not only the, Here's the borough contract details. He's got four years. With a fifth-year option valued thirty-six million dollars, he's yeah. guaranteed thirty-six mil for the four years. Um, guaranteed at signing thirty-six million. Signing bonus, he got twenty-three million dollars. He'll be making after that contract expires when he gets his next one. That thirty-six million will be per year. Per year, at, yeah. His average annual salary right now is nine million. Right. He'll be quadrupling that at worst. I would be confident on the field if I had that contract. <laughs> no. So, you know, I, I it's just it they're they're a fun team to watch and I hope and no reason not to believe this isn't going to be the case that, you know, we see more of him. And it just it'll be nice as the Buffaloes and the Cincinnatis um and maybe even the the other team in LA and perhaps Baltimore as we see these better teams and maybe Tennessee if they get themselves a real quarterback, we see teams rising up to challenge um now the Chiefs, it was who's going to challenge the Patriots, but now the Patriots are in that also-ran mix. Another team to challenge the Chiefs and make it more interesting, just like you know, now that Brady's gone and who knows where Rodgers will be, teams to rise up and challenge the Bucks and the Packers um, and the Rams even, I suppose, for NFC supremacy. It's, just, it's nice to see. It's nice to see another team. It, the best thing about this Super Bowl, as I've been telling people, is it's not another Super Bowl where – the Patriots are going to win or the Chiefs are going to win. It's teams we haven't seen in the Super Bowl. One team we haven't seen in the Super Bowl in 30 years. And, you know, the last time we saw the Rams in the Super Bowl, people say it's one of the worst Super Bowls ever because it was such a defensive struggle. Well, it's the National um, Mediocrity League. I don't think everybody should surprise me what's going on here. Yeah, I know. I, you keep making those jokes, and I'm, I'm you know, that's fine. <laughs> You're not, you you don't sound any smarter when you keep saying it's the National Mediocrity League. You have a fan of a sport where there's... You got a shit squad here from Cincinnati. You shouldn't even be anywhere near this freaking game. All right? 
Kansas City's cool. in trouble. You know how hard it is to get back to the dance? They have everything. All the stars, the money, the coach, everything else. And they're sitting on the sidelines now. Done. But they're, you know, there's, it's starting to dawn on people. As great a coach as Andy Reid is, and now that he has a Super Bowl, he's certainly going to walk into the Hall of Fame when he's eligible. But, you know, he, he got to four straight NFC championships with the Eagles and won zippy Super Bowls. That's right. And zero. now he's That's has the same success folks. with Kansas City, except he has the one Super Bowl. Again, four straight NFC championships. And, you know, people who question his coaching decisions when he was in Philly, you ask Eagle fans, he'd, he'd kind of run his course in Philadelphia. Now, I think Kansas City fans are starting to say, you know, he's good, maybe even great, but there's something about the big games where, and I'm not, you know, last year, he, he, last year was more about having a patchwork offensive line than it was about his coaching. But there were some questionable coaching decisions in that game they lost, that the AFC Championship game. And, you know, some of those old whispers are coming back that, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, there's something about his coaching style that changes. Um, he's never been good with the with clock management either. But, hey, you know, I would take, as I say to you about your baseball team, I will take any success as a Commander Skins fan. I don't, I, four straight a NFC championship games, sign me up. Even if we lost all of them by successively larger scores, sign me up. So, Anyway, you know, Mr. Reed had a very tough personal year. I mean, his son was involved yeah. with that uh, car accident that uh, killed killed a couple people or a kid or something like that. That's horrible. And I think he had a he had a health health issues this year. He didn't he, look good. Uh, I mean, no, I he, he's, he's had a rough too. a rough time with his kids. Um, so I mean, look, I don't want to sit here and bash Andy Reed and say he's a bad person, bad coach. I'm just saying. No, that he's not the guy who's. You know, carrying the football and throwing the football and playing defense. Right. But Kansas City, you know, I, I don't know that they'll be back. And if they do get back, you know, what confidence are people in Kansas City start suddenly starting to look for the receipt on Andy Reid to see if they can return him? Are they getting tired of the Andy Reid act? Not the Patrick Mahomes they act. Want, they want a Super Bowl. They got to relax. Get over it. Yeah. I mean, that Super Bowl buys you. Championships buy you time. That's yes. certainly true. Agreed. So, so well, hopefully, pick, hopefully it's a fun game. Your pick? Did you make a selection? Well, okay. you know, I was really waiting on um, what kind of uniform the Rams pick. I think it's gonna. That's I gonna think they're the going with the old school. Thank goodness uniforms. I love what I love the Bengals. Uh, you know, scheme the old black and it's nice. I think so. I think for this game, from what I hear, uh, they're not. It's it's gonna be one of the old school uniforms. So, which would be great. Either the white uniforms or the yellow and blue ones. Not any of this, any of the junk they're wearing now with the hello, my name is L.A. Rams <laughs> tag on them. Well, like I said, I, I got very angry at the Rams, my Rams here, last couple of, when they changed the logo and everything. So, uh, and I, I just, uh, you know, I'm not a Stafford guy. And uh, I like Burroughs. And I, I hope they, I do, I hope they <laughs> Because I hope they win. But if the Rams win, the Rams hat's going back on the bandwagon head of mine. And I'll be uh, sure. celebrating. I'll be in the streets with the parade. You'll be buying a Stafford jersey. No, I, that'll never happen. <laughs> in fact, I don't I don't think I've ever purchased a football jersey. I have some baseball not, stuff. I have makes some sense, since hockey you're not a stuff. Fan. Lots of hockey jerseys. But I don't think I've ever purchased a football mm. 
jersey. Well, now would be the time. When the Bengals win, you can get a jersey that says Honchos on it. I'm going to write Burroughs a letter since he's going to be so goddamn rich if he mm-hmm. does win this Super Bowl. Maybe he could send me one. Or can we just do a show from his front yard? There you go. It's going to be backyard. big. If he has a nice deck, we'll do it from the backyard. Although Cincinnati, big. we'll wait till the weather gets just a smidge warmer. A little bit, yeah. It's in Cincinnati now. All right, so we both got the Bengals. Yes. All right, so um, all you Kansas City fans, all you Rams fans. Well, now, see, everybody in Cincinnati now is mad that we both picked the Bengals because you know they're going to lose. We gave them the mush. We just yeah. mushed the Bengals. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Bengal fans. But, you know, we got to pick somebody. It's true. Yeah. True. Uh, uh, before we move on, I mean, um, is it in here? No, it's not in your news. But, uh, I mean, we haven't seen them yet. But they've been teasing some of these commercials. I've seen the teases for this bowling, the Michelob Ultra bowling alley commercial um, with Peyton Manning. So, you know, it's going to be good. It's already... You know, three out of four stars just because Peyton Manning bowling. That to me already says comedy. I mean, it's not, is it monkeys in suits? No. Monkeys in suits, like that careerbuilder.com from many, many years ago, <laughs> those always a crowd pleaser. But Peyton Manning bowling, that's way up there. Yeah, Dr. Evil's back, like Myers. It looks some good stuff going on. And I thought I, the, uh, I, I'll have a full review of the, yeah, we'll do we, that. The next time we get together, I won't talk about the game itself. It'll just be a review of the commercials because I'm the only one that has any real taste when it comes to commercials. So I'll tell you the ones that are actually good, not the ones where people fall over themselves. All right, so, I look forward to it. I know that was very, that was very pompous, but I, I, when it comes to Super Bowl commercials, most people are wrong about the good ones. Okay, can we – can I um, – we're going to move on from the Super Bowl? Sure. Okay, okay so – talking about the commercials. We're pretty much out of things to talk about. Okay, so I'm going to throw the top. I want to go these – do you need to go in order here, or can I ask to pick no. what's next? Go nuts. Or what's the Cincy schools get it right? What's that mean? Oh, uh, Cincinnati public schools are giving everyone a day off. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so the parents who don't have daycare and stuff like that, they're all screwed. Yeah, so, way to go. Such a negative Nancy. Way to go. No, it's the truth. And so a, lot of, a lot of those kids are going to go hungry on, on, on that day because they, they depend on the breakfast um, okay. and the lunch well, program. Let, let, me, let me take the more serious issue there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I can tell you from because I know because I work in a public school system. Even when schools are closed, and when there's a snow day, if the schools are closed, unless it's a blizzard and and nobody's moving anywhere, they still provide meals. In the summertime, there are stations, schools around the county that provide the free meals, both breakfast and lunch. So, but who's the, watching the kids if the parents got to go to work? Well, in the summertime, I don't know. No, I'm just saying talking the, about the day after the Super Bowl. Issue, the daycare issue is a secondary issue. I'm talking about the more serious, how are they going to eat issue. That's not, that doesn't get canceled because they can get a 30-piece McNuggets at McDonald's. No dipping sauce. No dipping sauce. <laughs> not unless you want the, the store. I don't think Cincy gets it wrong. I disagree. I think Cincy gets it uh, wrong. Okay. Well, listen, Grinch. You know, sometimes the, life happens. Grinch. You can't just make a decision because. It's a sport. It's stupid. You know, get drunk, go to work on a hangover, and let the kids go to school. It's Cincinnati. I'm taking that day off. Of course, I don't need any daycare. Not yet. When I'm in Ingleside, that'll be a different story. But, <sighs> um, I, you know, look, I, I, yes, some people will be dis- will be you know uh, inconvenienced because they don't have any daycare. But I think for the majority of kids and parents, 
teachers, administrators. It's a good thing. It's a nice thing the city is doing. All right. Okay. I'm, and, I, and I, you know, I, I, I realize just, I'm biased because as a teacher, anytime we get a day off, you know, good times. But still, yeah. but you're, you get you're, a lot of day offs, okay? You're married you to someone. Aren't you off for a week in like a week? You're off for a week. Then you come First, back. You, you come back for a few days in March, and then you got another week off in April. Do you, do you give Mrs. Cuthbert the same sort of business? Absolutely not. But I can give you a hard time. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, I'm just letting you know that you know you live with someone who operates under these same principles. I know. So zip it. But it wouldn't be fun if I at least give you a little bit of the business. So, and that's, I'm, I'll be the first to tell you, I became a teacher for the snow days. So there you there go. You go. I'm, you not, smart, I'm not at all ashamed. I wore right. like a badge of honor. All right, you have Brady. Are you talking about Tom Brady or the Brady Bunch in the no, notes here? Tom Brady. Oh, Tom Brady. Okay. And Tom Brady in his retirement, wink, wink. And, and then he said in the Jim Gray podcast, well, I'll never say never. You know, look, Tom Brady said he was retiring, uh, paraphrasing, because the competitive fire was gone and he wants to spend more time with his family. Tom Brady retired because the year with the Bucks didn't end the way he wanted it to. And the team is not going to be as competitive. They're not going to be able to keep the players that he surrounded himself with. The Antonio Brown experiment blew up in his face. Gronk is going to retire because, you know, he still can play, but he came back for two more years to play with Brady, and now his body's even more broken than it was before he started playing. But this is a guy who has spent the last 20 years telling the world, I'm going to play till I'm 50. And I didn't, maybe I didn't, maybe I don't think he's going to play till he's 50, but when he, was more realistic. He said, I'm going to play until I suck. And at 44 years old, he led the league in passing yards, in touchdowns, and in completions. He had an MVP season. He may even win the MVP. And he almost pulled some Brady magic in the game against the Rams and brought him back from a 27-3 deficit. Uh, so Brady is going out at his peak and not his peak, but he's going out and playing at an incredibly high level. So he's not he doesn't he's not leaving the game when he sucks. And now all of a sudden he's lost that competitive fire. So I don't know what's going on there, but the whole I can't play anymore, I'm not competitive, I'm not buying that. Now maybe there's an injury that nobody's talking about, or there's something else going on. But here's the thing about I want to spend more time with my family. You know, his family lives in Tampa. I realize playing football is not a nine to five job. But the team goes with him to all the games, road and away. He comes home in the evening when his kids, who are all school-aged, are home. Uh, I realize, you know, the weekends are problematic, but his job is – he has a part-time job. His job is from August through February. Usually he goes late into the year because he's Tom Brady. He always plays well, well through the playoffs. But then from, you know, March through August, especially in the summertime, he's home. He's home with the kids. He's Tom Brady. If he wanted to come in late so he could take his kids to school, I'm sure he could do that. How much time does he really think he's going to spend now with his kids who are probably going to get sick of him just like his wife will? His wife is going to wake up in a few weeks and say, why are you here? Shouldn't you be at work? Shouldn't you be watching film? What are you doing? So don't give me any gossip about I want to be home with my family. You work part-time and your family lives with you in Tampa. You see them when you come home from work, like millions of other working parents. So I I mean, I don't blame him for being happy that he can spend more time with his family, but to quit and using the family chestnut 
and the competitive fire chestnut when all you've been telling us for the last 10 years is I'm going to play till I'm 50 and I'll retire when I suck. Smells fishy. um, There's got to be something else that he's not telling us. Not that he owes us an explanation, but I, I, I just, I'm not buying the family thing. And when he, then when he says never say never, I'm sure he's already thinking when, how long do I have to do this family thing before I can go back and play? What he's really saying is, I'm, you know, I'm going to wait and see what the Buccaneers do, see what they, you know, how they build the team with the people they're going to lose, or maybe there's another offer, a better offer out there that I can ease my way into. Because he can certainly watch, look and see how, look at how Tom Brady lives over the next several months. Is he letting himself go? Or is he still standing by his same diet and same regimen? Um, well, how about we just cut through all the BS here and look at his contract? Okay. okay. So he only, he's, he's Brady free, originally it, signed a two-year deal with the Buccaneers worth $50 million, okay? Now he's a free agent. So now he's, so he's in the last year. He signed an additional one-year extension oh, okay. to add $25 million to the deal. Right. So that would be this coming season. Yeah. So he's got one year left. Now, one I don't think left. this is a money thing, by the way. I don't think he's just doing this because he wants more money. But it, it, there's just something about the reasons he's giving that kind of rings hollow. Well, they're all, aren't they all hollow at this point in their careers? Isn't Rogers a bit hollow? Isn't oh, this Rogers, just clickbait news? I mean, these guys, at the end of the day, they don't really give a shit, right, Rob? They're, they're multimillionaires. And they can roll around on podcasts and stuff. Oh, I'm not ready yet. I might do this and I might do that. Who knows? Um, he might be trying to get other teams excited to maybe bring him on. Or right, I, I, but see with Brady, I get, none of us know Tom Brady except you know the people that are closest to him know who he is. But he doesn't. He's he conducts himself as someone who doesn't who doesn't give you any bullshit. It, 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 lots of people can say I like to play till I'm 50, but there's no chance they can barely play in their 30s. This is someone who who seems very focused on playing and winning and being competitive. And all of a sudden, you know, the season doesn't end the way he wants it to, despite his best efforts. And maybe it's a Bruce Arians thing. Maybe it's, again, how the team is going to look from a player standpoint. And he's just like, I don't have the competitive fire to play for this group. So I'm going to just stand over here. And as the year goes on, See if I have any options. I just the walking away clean from football at the top of your game. Yeah, but he's unique, though, man. I mean, I look at it this way: he won all it's the championships. Sea change for him. Look, as far as I'm concerned, if, if he can get out of this game without being a vegetable, he's won everything. He's got enough. He's got enough money. He's got a hot wife. He's got all that stuff. I mean, he's got it all. He doesn't yeah. really need to play anymore. No, I just, it's just, you know, as old guys, he's one you and I, concussion just, or no, one bad tackle away from being in, in a yes, hospital. And maybe, maybe there's something, some injury that is unspoken and it, there's a medical reason and he has no obligation to tell us, but there's something about watching. Like Lundquist. Yeah, exactly. There's something, and it may come out later, but there's something about watching Brady Something familiar and comfortable that every this football season begins, players come and go, but there's Brady. Different uniform last couple of years, but he's still there and still playing well. It's it's impressive. It's fun to watch. Even if you hate the Bucs or hate the Patriots. It's not a very competitive hate, league, though. You hate Tom Brady. But 
you're like, God, this guy's still doing it at his age and avoiding injury for 22 seasons. He's older than some coaches. And it's not, this is not some guy who's just hanging on. Like Peyton Manning at the end of his career was barely hanging on to an NFL career. He had to go. Ben Roethlisberger, same thing. He had a major neck injury too. Yeah, when he came back from that, for play, in fact, he had his best season post-neck surgery that first year in Denver. It was, it was amazing. But at the end, it was really, I mean, he, a lot of these guys fall off a cliff. Drew Brees fell off a cliff. Roethlisberger, Manning, it just happens. It's like tennis players when they turn 30. All of a sudden, their, their talent goes away. So Brady was unique. He was definitely he was actually a unicorn. And there's just something about not seeing him out there when you know there's not just a game or two left. He's got a couple years in the tank. And again, he has done everything. He's the greatest of all time. He doesn't owe us anything. It's just... It, it, you feel like, you know, when you go in the next season, there's there's something missing. And you'd like to think, this guy told us he was going to play until he sucked. He's going to play till he's 50. Where I'm waiting. Where are you? How come I don't see number 12 out there on the field? So, you know, I, it's just, it's hard to accept when the reasons given don't really seem to jive. Now, if he'd won the Super Bowl this year, if Tampa had won back-to-back Super Bowls, and he said, you know what, I'm out. Okay, that seems like a, a much more, I mean, that's a John Elway ending. Elway had a great career, Hall of Fame career, capped it off by winning back-to-back Super Bowls, and then he said, deuces, I'm out of here, when he could still play. Not Tom Brady level playing at 38 when he was when he retired, but he could still play. You know, I just, going to miss the guy. What can I tell you? It's fun well, to watch. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, you can go back to, uh, well, no, it's not true. I'm just trying to think. I'm, just, never I'm, I'm a little concerned about, about your obsession Tom. with Tom Brady. Listen, when you get to be our age and you see people performing at the height of their career at an age when no one should be playing that well in any sport, let alone football, that's why I always liked goalies like Brodeur and Ed Belfour and all the guys that played into their 40s. Uh, and you're like, how are these guys at, at – at, you have to be in such great physical shape. But the difference the is, is a lot of those guys didn't have the success that Brady had. It's a totally different. Let's say Brady only won one, you know, Super Bowl with the Patriots years ago, and he's still at this age playing. He'd be like this, you know, this is Daniel Char right now on the Islanders right. and the Capitals. The last like Brady Bork was when he finally won with the Avalanche. I just I like no, I like saying, that, that. No, what that, I'm saying it's it would be different. You'd be looking at Tom Brady differently. I'm sure your attitude would be like, oh my god, hang him up already because he hasn't won yeah. anything in the last 15 years. He, like I said, you nailed it. He's a unicorn. He's unique. He had all these championships. So for me, I'm looking at like, I'm looking at like, walk away from the game, man. You've done it. You're healthy. I mean, he got smoked after they won last year. He was drunk. He, there's nothing wrong with him as far as health or anything like that. He's yeah. got it all. I mean, he lives this like great, healthy life. I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I think he's just either it's either going to be more money or he's going to look for the quickest path to win it if he is going to stick around for another year or two. And the question right. is, is it with the Buccaneers or is he going to look around maybe to go to Buffalo? Does he want to play in the cold? Well, I don't. First of all, <laughs> he, he, Buffalo wouldn't take him. I know. I'm only kidding. But you know who would take him? <laughs> he wants to come to Washington. We'll, we'll give him a room at the White House. Uh, we're almost there. All right. So let's uh, you want to talk about the Flores uh, lawsuit. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, 
for those that don't know, you know, Brian Flores is suing uh, the NFL. Everybody. He's trying to a class action lawsuit against the NFL for discriminatory hiring practices um, because uh, there's so many, there's so few. I think uh, three now. Let's see, Flores, well, not Flores, uh, Tomlin and McDaniel and Lovey Smith. Yeah, there are three coaches of color. Actually, four if you count Ron Rivera, So, and which you have to. So there are four coaches, three black coaches. One Hispanic coach, four coaches of color. Uh, Brian Flores was fired by the Miami Dolphins, um, even though he's last two seasons he had winning seasons, been one of the best coaches they've had since Shula, and he got fired. And he's bringing this lawsuit, and I won't say rightly so, but clearly there's something going on in the NFL with so few uh, black coaches. And I have a few thoughts on this whole look uh, let me just say at the outset it's not only unusual but it's very upsetting that there aren't more black head coaches in the NFL that being said uh you can't just say well the numbers are there so it must be racism i'm going to give you a few thoughts that you're only going to hear here on this show because you sometimes the truth has to be told, even if it goes against uh, a good narrative. So bear with me. First, for all when everybody anybody complains about a white coach being hired, and there are black coaches still on the bench, what you are implying is that the white coach that was hired is not qualified. You are saying that this coach is only hired because he's white, and the white owners like white coaches, and I'm not saying that isn't the case with some owners, but you when you can't say that a black coach should have been hired without also implying that the white coach is not qualified, that he only got the job because he's white, which is not getting a job is offensive to the black coaches and getting the job, it's offensive to the white coaches. I think people always forget that part, that you are insulting the person who got the job. Um, again, it's, they're not qualified or the only reason they got the job was that they are white and a lot of bad white coaches over the years, man. Of course. And a lot of bad black coaches. The Jets. I mean, there are a lot of bad, there, there are a lot of bad coaches, period. They get hired, they get fired. Lots of white coaches have been fired after two seasons, three seasons. That's pretty much the life expectancy of head coaches is two or three in most sports, not just, uh, football. Um, so here's the other thing, okay? Um, there are far more black players in the NFL than there are white players, which is the argument for there should be more black coaches because it's disproportionate. There's 75% black or people, you know, African-American, people of color, and you know, you've got three coaches out of 32, which is not even 10%. Well, it's a little less than 10%. So here's my question, and I already know the answer, okay? Uh, and this is – bear with me on this. Why are there more black players in the NFL than white players? Uh, merit and superior talent, okay? Uh, period. I mean, players are judged objectively by how good they are, how talented you are on the field. So uh, no one ever complains, nor should you, but no one ever says, hey, you know, how come there aren't more white players in the NFL? 
Well, the, the cold reality is that the players that are playing now are the most talented, are the most competent, and NFL owners want to put the best product on the field because they want to win. So at some point, right, you have to ask yourself, are we, are, is merit and coaching talent thrown out the window and winning on the field thrown out the window just so you can put more white coaches in place? I mean, again, I'm not discounting the fact that there are owners out there that would rather hire an unqualified white coach than a qualified black coach. But I'm, I'd like to think that the coaches are held to the same standards, i.e. merit and talent, for the most part, as the players are. Now, I, I'm not suggesting that we should have 29 white coaches or 28 white coaches and four coaches of color because that's the ratio of talent and merit. But at some point, you can't say every time a white coach is hired that it's a failure on the part of the NFL and that, again, implying this coach isn't qualified and this coach is only been hired because they're white. At some point, you guys say, look, you know, it's it may still be about talent and merit in a lot more cases than it's about just picking some guy who's white because you're an old racist who feels that white coaches are better. I just, you know, it, 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 there's an inconsistency there. You know, the the players are are playing because they they have the superior merit and talent, but not the coaches. There's no, I don't know. It's just. It's not as simple as saying, well, there's only four, so the NFL must be a racist organization. There's racists in every organization, but I don't think as a whole the NFL owners are conspiring only to put in white coaches. And when you say – this is the same argument I made when people complain that the Oscars are too white, that the nominees for Best Picture and Actor and so on, they're too white. And my question is always the same. Who are you going to take out? If you look at the nominees, who doesn't deserve to be there? So if you look at the coaches that are hired, who doesn't deserve to be there? And it's a hard question to answer because it's easy to say, I should be coaching. I should be hired. It's very hard to say this person shouldn't be – this person shouldn't have the job. Let's take this person out. They don't deserve it. So I wish you know Flores the best of luck in his lawsuit. And I'm sure, again, there are owners who would rather see – rather lose and have a white coach – then win with a black coach because the idea of a black coach offends them somehow, even though they own a team that's three quarters black. But there's a lot of hard questions and a lot of hard issues that no one will talk about. All right, so here's, here's my hard question. Narrative. And I apologize for rambling on about this. It's just, no, it's fine. I've been thinking a lot about it. Since so it let happened. me, let me throw this at you. All right. And you can use the, the Oscars here in, in the same parallel, maybe a little bit with, uh, hiring black coaches. What, What is in place for advancement for people to co- of color to advance in either a certain organization, a certain sport, or a certain field of entertainment? Okay, what are the opportunities? So I look at the Oscar things and stuff. I mean, they're just amazing directors, uh, actors, actress, actresses, and stuff like that that to me have just been have outperformed. Or, yes, the competition is, is a lot you know, there's only you can only pick five out of uh, you know how many people for an Oscar for best actor and a lot of stuff. But I look at the the opportunities for people of color to advance in those in that particular 
um, form of work or form of entertainment. So let's just take that as one side. In football, when you have the number of, you know, you know, you don't, I don't look at it like uh, in in the sense of you know, there's only four black coaches and there's you know, you know, there's 29 white coaches, whatever it is. My question is, the big question to me is, how much of an how many? What is the opportunity for coaching staffs of color to advance in each NFL's franchise to move up? Now we know that. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but that I think is where you have to look at how many, how many people uh, of color in, say, um, you know, administrative or not, not, not like uh, management and CEO, GMs, uh, and everything else in terms of the administrative side of running the organization, right on the business side of it. Mm-hmm. As players retire and then they become coaches, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, stuff. My question is, is how much of an opportunity are they getting the the same type of opportunity to go out for these positions? And ultimately, I would say is if when when there's an interview for a head coach position in the NFL and you look out in the lobby, are there eight white coaches, assistant coaches, and only two black assistant coaches out there? How many how many coaches of color are getting the opportunity to kind of move up within the ranks? So it just the head coaching position is here. But if there's 12 white guys in the lobby and there's only three or four for two reasons, I'm saying, do they have the opportunity to move up or number or do, is it something where um, assistant coaches or uh, players of color, they don't want the job? Well, it's look, it, as I said, it's, it's a problem and there are barriers to entry. Absolutely. Um, there are well, a lot of, see, you just said of, barriers of entry. So, like, right, when you were talking of, before about, you know, if, if a white guy gets the job over a black guy, whether he's qualified and it's fine. But the, that, what you just said, the barriers of entry to get even a, a chance to get interviewed for the job. No, that, you're right. I mean, but I'm saying is, it, I see it as two separate issues. All I'm saying is, despite the barriers to entry and, and the problems with hiring black coaches, even though there's a huge number of black assistant coaches through all the NFL teams. You can't put aside the things that I mentioned where you're implying that the person that got the job isn't qualified or you're implying the person who got the job is only got the job because they're white or that there's no, there's no um, credence given to merit and talent and experience. There is. However, we have this other problem where at the same time, you're right. Is it eight white coaches being interviewed and two black coaches being interviewed? But and the NFL with the Rooney Rule and other sorts of uh, incentives are trying to improve that ratio, which also you know brings other issues into play. Which is you know if you are a black coach, um, you almost feel like you're in a no-win situation. You know, did you get interviewed because you're talented and qualified? Or did you get interviewed because someone said, like the NFL, well, you have to get but the But at interview. the end of the day, don't you just want the opportunity? Whatever that exactly. reason is, right? You and then the you get the opportunity to but, prove. But you want you want an opportunity that doesn't come with the stigma of you were only given the opportunity because the NFL said you had to get the opportunity. See, I think this is, yeah, that's the NFL with their and I don't, the and I, rule. I, that's but, what I, I feel bad because you might be a talented 
offensive or defensive coordinator and you got some great ideas and you don't want to go into the interview or get the job where people are already looking at you like, well, well let me yeah, ask you this you know. real quick. How many how many African American college coaches are there? Oh, I don't know, but certainly more than uh, the ratio is obviously better. Well, than there's the, obviously more teams and, and more colleges and, and more franchises. But big, big colleges, even SEC colleges, where you know, 20 years ago, a black coach in the SEC would be unheard of. I mean, that's 20, uh, 2022. 40 years ago, a black coach in the SEC would be unheard of. Okay, so now that's changing. Um, but yeah, there's many more opportunities. It doesn't seem to be an issue in college, although it could be better. You know, it's certainly not an issue in the NBA. Um, but most of the big colleges always have white coaches. Yeah, but that's changing at least. But and it's the, not changing, changing again. But it's it's changing organically. It, there's no edict from the NCAA to, you know, change your hiring practices or incentivizing teams to hire people of color. It's look, it's a process that's going way too slow at the college level, but at least it's changing and it's an organic, natural sea change. If you try to force it the way the NFL is and you ignore the issues that I brought up, you're, I don't want to say you're creating a bigger problem. There is no bigger problem than institutional racism and barriers to entry, but there is no easy solution. And there, you have to ask a little patience of people, which is, I realize is a valuable commodity in this arena, but there is no easy solution to this. That's the problem. Whatever is, do, well, part of the solution is creating more opportunities and advancing more guys. Yeah. But how do you do that in a way that doesn't, unfairly penalize people and doesn't unfairly stick. Unfortunately, the history of this country doesn't allow for that, Rob. That's just, that's how our country is. That's we're discussing this because of the awful history of racism in this country. We had the, you had the, uh, we did the, um, who wears it best there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Mm -hmm. the guy on the, on the, the red, here we go. The Redskins. You know what I'm saying? And how mm-hmm. difficult it was for him. I mean, so, and, and that's as a player. So I guess maybe, you know, the experience as a player playing in a, in a, in a league like this, which only pretty much advances, you know, people of the Caucasian, uh, you know, tint. I mean, probably a lot of them are just lucky they got out. I mean, they they don't have to. They they have to deal with you. that story. There a couple of weeks is the, the the racism that he had to deal with on a daily basis, and that's the same for a guy who maybe has aspirations to become a coach, and he's got to get through all that. And I think that's just probably mentally fucking exhausting. Yeah. And white guys don't have to go through that shit. And I think that's why you have eight white guys going for the coaching job, and you only have, you know two people of color in there because I think. The that's what I'm saying. What's the availability of the access to move up within a uh, uh, organization or a team? You talk about the Rooney Rule in the NFL. Yeah, that's the NFL. But what do we got? How many teams in the league? Thirty teams, right? So it's thirty cities, thirty different backgrounds, thirty years of white ownership, thirty years of white fans. I mean, come on, you look at all the old footage. Jesus Christ! You look at most of the uh, the fans in, in NBA games today. Everybody in the lower bowl. It's all white, white, rich people. So a lot of shit has not changed, you know, and that generic growth you're talking, it's, to me, it's too small. It's too slow. That tide is way out still. And, um, 
That's my thing. I'm I I get what I get. I agree with you on certain stuff, but that's what I'm. My question is: is it's not just you know why did this person of color not get the job to coach the Jacksonville Jaguars? My question is: is what was the opportunity to to get there? Why aren't more uh, coaches of color, assistant coaches, guys who work with the teams? I mean, you see, I mean, how come they're not getting the opportunities? And what is that for each individual franchise? And that's how I look at it. And it's, I think it's just, it's got to be incredibly tough to do it. And, oh, I think it the, and the guys who persevere, the guys who do become um, head coaches and, you know, they're, they've got to, they've got to be tough guys. They've got to be uh, things, or they've, yeah. they've, they've, they've just experienced a better, uh, a, a better journey to get there. I mean, what's the guy uh, who was coaching in Pittsburgh for years with all the winning records? Head coach of the uh, Steelers. What's that? Mike Tomlin. And by the way, if Mike Tomlin said, I'm, I'm quitting, if his contract ran out in Pittsburgh and said I'm a free agent, he'd be snapped up like that. Yeah, and because he got the chance to go in. He, he took the opportunity. He's been a great head coach. He's been, you know, it's everything. It's being loved by the city. It's it's all, and, and, and it comes with success. Right. If he doesn't have the success, it, I mean, that gets back to us talking about Brady. I know it's a totally different subject. But when you don't have success, nobody gives a shit. And you don't get those opportunities. And Tomlin worked his ass off, and he's a phenomenal coach. He's a, you know, and he's had the success. And unfortunately, how many other guys did not get the same journey that he was able to take to take the head coaching job for the Pittsburgh Steelers? And I think if you start breaking that down by every city, every team, every franchise who has a history, it's all white. It's all white. It's been that way. And that's, yeah, the players come in. They, the, I mean, come on, that gets back to shit that we could go on for all other kinds of conversations. You know, uh, Jackie Robinson, all the guys who broke the barriers. Um, but even Hank Aaron, they, they played under just terrible conditions. Hank Aaron was threatened all the time, and he still went out there. He's Those guys are fucking heroes as far as I'm concerned. So take the average guy who's not, say, like you say, Brady, who's a unicorn as, a, as far as a champion stuff. Hank Aaron was a unicorn. Jackie Robinson, because they, they persevered through all that um, persecution and racial stuff. I don't know how they fucking did it, to be honest with you. So that's how – that's my little take on this is is the journey, the opportunities – and I, ha- you know, it there, it just hasn't been there. You would see more guys doing it, or like I said, maybe these guys just are too mentally exhausted. Maybe some guys don't want the pressure of being an African American head coach of a team that you know, whatever the 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 fan base, the city is a very. It's always been that's got to be tough, man, because it comes with it. You're seeing in the NHL here. Here we are, 2022, and these. These poor kids are still dealing with racism in the NHL. It's a white sport. It's always been. And on the professional level, the NHL, they can't even get it right. God only knows what's going on down in the um, in the juniors and the peewee teams. How hard was it for P.K. Subban's journey, Grant Fuhr's journey, all those guys is totally different from any of these white kids playing ice hockey and any of these, you know, white head coaches or whatever. That's, that's the only perspective that I want to throw in on this little discussion. No. All right. I just, I don't want, it's not a simple issue that can be simplified. No, it's not. I agree with you. There's only, you can't paint with a broad brush. who the fuck are we with two white guys? 
I know. You can't paint with a broad <laughs> brush on any canvas. Just because the numbers don't suggest a balance doesn't mean that the 28 owners that went with a white coach are doing it for the wrong reasons. And I think besides giving more opportunities, you have to do you have to really look at how the hiring process goes. And unfortunately, because there there's 32 private industries, um, unless you can show, as Brian Flores is trying to show, that you're making discriminatory hiring practices, you really can't tell a private business who they can and cannot hire. That's 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 the, the battle that another battle Flores is going to come up against that he's going to have to show. Well, that- why does that guy have to go through that? You know, Gruden went through this shit too. He's they were doing all this shit on the side. I mean, this this is the quiet. This is the background offices. Uh, you know, look, I've you know, I've been in the back rooms of fire departments. I, I mean, I hear the shit. I mean, the stuff that you don't see out in the front. That's what I'm saying. A guy like Flores, he's he's living this. Maybe it's not all bullshit. Maybe this is this is his journey, and that's why he's filing this lawsuit because he's going through shit that maybe most white coaches don't have to deal with, and that's what the issue is. And you know what? Say so he doesn't he doesn't do himself any favors when he says that he congratulates Lovey Smith on getting the job in Houston, but then says, "But you know, I was more qualified. How come I didn't get that job?" You, you can't. You're not doing yourself any favors. Well, if do- if if those were two white guys, would we looked at differently? Well, of course it would because, because then you because, you take the color out of it, right? But no, but he's it's because he's suing the NFL to get more black coaches hired. And then when Houston does hire a black coach, he celebrates it by saying, well, that job should have been mine. Well, that's separate, man, because that's competitiveness is two guys going for a job. That's, you know, what's wrong with that? I know what I'm saying is, but you, you're sort of undermining your own cause by. No, that shouldn't be an issue. No, that shouldn't be an issue because there should be more black coaches. No, you're making it about yourself as opposed to making it about a stand for, you know, in breaking the barriers and improving I the hiring process. I see the process. difference between the two. I can see that. There's nothing wrong with thinking, you know, I, I'm the better guy for the job, even even with a, with a cause to look for better opportunities for what he's doing in the lawsuit. It's all good, man. We're just, just you know, and that, we're even talking about this because mm-hmm. of the, template that's been in place for fucking decades yeah it's just hard for people to be pragmatic about things i'm not everybody has you know two speeds off and on no one walk has in any, their shoes you got to walk in their shoes i you do but i'm I, it's not everybody has the same journey good or bad that's what i talked about and i, I just i just think we we have a, a a prevailing narrative and if you try to chip away at that narrative with a few facts and a few truisms you're the bad guy. And I'm not afraid to be the bad guy because I look at things in a pragmatic way, not in a sweeping. Well, there's only four. Everyone else is racist. Every white person has it easy. Every person of color has it hard. I just, you can't do that. You just can't. And and for every person that you want to advance up the chain, white or black, there's someone else that you're saying should be off the chain. And you got to give a reason for it. Why is this person not qualified? Is because they're white. Not giving someone else an opportunity doesn't make someone else unqualified. It makes an unfair process that has to change. But there's only 32 head coaching jobs. So, you know, you 
it's just not as easy to say, oh, another white guy was hired. See, the NFL is racist. Well, I, I don't see. I don't have a problem saying that. <laughs> see, I can't, I, I can't. I can't make those kinds of those kinds of sweeping generalizations. Let's, one let's or the other. Forget about the coach. This, the NFL is It's it's just built on it. It's built on racism. It was. It's all white ownership. It's white teams. It's white fans from the beginning. It's. It's. That's how baseball was. For all that hockey. I mean, it's. It's. I don't. I can't. How can I'm a white guy? I. I. I don't know how to say whether it's better or not better, for, for everyone else. I have nothing. You know, you know. I'm. I'm sitting there watching PK Subban having to stand up for his brother Jordan, because he's of color. You know, it's just um, what I'm saying there. It just it's reality. It is what it is. It, it is a reality. So how you can't you can't butter it up around expertise or you know whatever. Yeah, granted, may the best man win, no matter what color they are. But not a lot of people of color are getting this. There's not a lot of guys, like I said, in the lobby getting the opportunities. And the other thing I said too is like like the Hank Aarons and stuff, who else is strong enough to maybe take that position and deal with everything else, you know? And I'll say one thing political here on this. When Barack Obama became president of this country, him and his wife had to be fucking perfect because of their color. You look at what that guy, I don't care what side of you're on, but what that guy did the last four years I mean, all the people in the upper, but if he was of color, you think he would have, all the people would have let him get away with it and all that shit? Give me a break. It's a double standard, certain stuff. Anyway, we're getting a little, now I'm starting to get angry. I don't know. Because you do, you have to be perfect. Yeah. Can we end on a, f- a couple of fun notes now? No. Actually, I'm not really in the mood to do anything fun now. I just, I'm, I don't know. What, are you upset with me or are you upset with the subject? I, I just, I, I really never, I never should have brought it up. I hate talking about it. I hate trying to be the guy that tries to put a little light on situations. I hate running up against, you know, you got to be. Why do you hate all... it? It's part of the conversation discussion. Why not? I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, you know, you can't, you got to be part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, you're the enemy. So yeah. I don't think you're the enemy. I think it's it's a it's a oh, very just, complicated discussion to have. Well, but no it's answer. not according to you. It's just there's one double standard and all white people have an advantage, which they do. But not all white people have the same advantages. And, you know, again, I ask the same question. How many let's look at the players on the field. How come, you know, I don't know. Look, buddy, I'm not saying I'm that. Not, you know what? If I say anything else, I'm going to start getting myself in real trouble. I just think people only look at one side of an issue, and they think that's First the right. First of all, I just want to say one thing. I'm not saying in everything. We were talking about football. Okay? We're just talking about football. Yeah, but you're talking about, about life in general. I mean, you're, you're bringing up things in the non-football world. The non-sports world, it, it's a whole different thing. There's a whole different level of – lack of opportunity and a whole different level of institutional racism that goes beyond what I'm saying. It goes beyond who's coaching a football team, which in the grand scheme of things doesn't make a world of difference. Okay. I'm just saying in, in sports where 
you know, it's uh, to a certain, I guess, until you get off the field, it's all based on merit and talent. And nobody questions the racial makeup of the players because they assume that the best players are on the field and the ones that are not as good are not on the field. But you, you have to ask yourself, are there barriers to entry for players who aren't on the field? What happens? Well, I'm just saying it, it, it's There's sports more positions available on the field mm-hmm. than there is as far as head coaching jobs. You said that, you know, before too. Right. But I'm just saying we, we don't ever say, you know, we never question the racial makeup and in, in either direction of teams of the players. We presume that they're there because they've earned it. And I don't, you know, nobody really questions that. We don't, when it comes to any other any other position in sports, front office, coaching personnel, it, it, it it's always there's always something deeper. We don't have enough black head coaches because every white owner is racist. It's just saying that just sounds so obscenely generalizing. It just it it, it just it can't be true. I'm this not is, saying they're all right. racist. I'm, you're I'm right. saying each. You're, you're right. The way this, the way all these leagues were built, but that's not how it is today. It's not the same mindset. Otherwise, we'd still have leagues with all white players. And I grant you, sports were integrated because they realized you're going to be left behind in terms of wins. It wasn't because of social justice. It was because of wins and losses. And I you would still have to think that that's the way owners want to do business now. That's why they put the best players on the field, not just the ones that look like them. I mean, I, I freely admit there's many barriers to entry and that shouldn't be, but I just, I can't get my, I cannot wrap my hands around the notion of, Black coaches aren't getting the same opportunities because every white owner is just a racist fuck, except no, I, for the four. That's that not are, what I said. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's 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 not an equal amount of guys going know, out for those way, positions. We don't know who's in the waiting room for those interviews. We don't. Good or bad. We don't know who's applying. We haven't seen the resumes. We know that certain coaches who they keep talking about getting jobs are getting passed over, like Eric Bieniemy. It could very well be he just, I mean, he's had 15 interviews. It could very well be that he's not impressive in the interviews. Or it could very, or it could very well be that he's just not the right color. But we don't know. It might also just be the disparity of numbers going out. Like I said, there's more positions on the on the field. Two teams, there's more positions. There's more opportunity to get in there. There's more opportunity to break those barriers to get on the teams as players. What I was just trying to, and I don't want you to get upset, like I said, what I was just trying to say is the process and the journey to become an assistant coach and a head coach in football they're just and I said too early. Maybe these guys just don't want the pressure, and that's why there's less guys getting the jobs. Maybe it's not because of color. 
It's that there's, there's not enough guys who want to go and maybe take that position. Or I said a guy like Tomlin was an exception. That guy went on, and I used the example of a guy like Hank Aaron, the guys who went through that. Those are the guys. Maybe it's just the fact that a lot of these guys don't want to become head coaches. All right. Well, let me let me if we're going to talk about some inside baseball, let me tell you where I'm coming from. My perspective on this. I just had a meeting today at my school where we looked at the second quarter grades and we broke it down by uh, race. Because there's, you know, there's an achievement gap, the mm-hmm. especially Latino and African-American students are falling behind their Asian and white counterparts. So we looked at our U.S. history grades, looked at the number of A's, B's, C's, D's, and E's, and we broke it down by group. And, you know, somebody in the meeting said, what are we going to do about the fact that there's so many more E's for Latino and African-American students? And I said, well, look at the number the total number of African-American students, look at the total number of Latino students versus the total number of white students. Okay, and then look at who's, and look at the number of, of E's or failures. And I said, I just did a little quick math. I said, sure, it looks like there's a lot more because there's 400 African-American and Latino students in our U.S. history class and only, you know, 100. Those are not their actual numbers. White students. And if you take the numbers, the percentages, it's exactly the same. It's the same proportion of white students failing as there are African-American Latino students failing. So it's not that there's a discrepancy or disparity. It's just if you get more students, you're obviously going to have more kids that fail. Mm -hmm. And it's the exact same percentage. And people are looking at me like, how dare you? Like, there is not a problem. If there would be a problem if there was 400 African-American students and 350 of them are failing. That'd be a problem. Mm-hmm. That'd be a serious issue. But when it's, you know, eight, 9% failure rate across the board, it's just, those just, just a, a numbers game. So you have, you can't just look at numbers at one piece of statistical data and make these conclusions because what happens above my pay grade is a lot of hand-wringing and teeth gnashing about how our instruction is not reaching students of color. All teachers aren't reaching the kids that need it the most. And my response is, that's probably true. There is some truth there. But if you just look at these numbers and say, see, look at all these kids that are failing. We're failing our black and Latino students. I'm like, we're failing them at the same rate that the white students are failing. It just so happens this school's population has you know less white students than they do black and Latino students. Mm-hmm. So now you got to dig a little deeper. And people seem to be afraid of digging deeper because it hurts the narrative. And that's all. I, and I, I just, I see that in every conversation about race is it's a very surface level look at that supports a narrative. And I'm like, there's a lot of harm that's being done, but you need to dig deeper before you just jump into that pool of, you know, everybody wants to disadvantage the people of color. Like, you just so I'm saying if you just go by numbers of coaches and make the assumption that it's because they're black and that's why they're not getting hired, if you just go by the number, you're missing out on a lot of truth there. That's all. And so okay. I just it it makes me crazy when you just people look at it like that. So that's why the whole issue gets me so upset. Well, you brought it up. I did. And I, I was stupid. <laughs> Incredibly stupid. 
because now you know there's not only do we are we way over time now we spent a lot of time on something that was very serious and you know needs to be talked about and but you know i i i i we were talking like we were going to come to a solution here come to no. some sort of an agreement and we're not it's just it's not going to change it's not going to change you're right organically it's not going to change quickly unless something is done about it and what can be done about it that's where people throw up their hands that's mm-hmm. the other thing yep. that's the other problem that i have whether it's at it, it, my school board my school district or in the nfl a lot of people are out there carrying the banner of something has to be done and then when you ask them i'll add a little levity here if you ask them okay so give me a solution you get Right. Nobody has the solution. And I've always been a, you know, don't bring up problems unless you've got a solution sort of person. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. You know, and, and, and you can bang the drum all you want for change. But what are we going to do? <laughs> Not, I, don't, I don't mean that in a what are we going to do? Oh, might as well just let it go. It, you know, you can't fight it. So just accept it. It's a real question. Just like you said, what can be done? That is the least, when I say offensive, I don't mean offensive to people. I mean offensive to the process. What can be done? I don't know. Oh, we don't know. No. You know, it, it's, it's, you're not going to please everybody, nor should you try to. But you want a solution that makes sense, that you know, makes the process respectable, makes people in the process feel good about themselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, you got to turn back a huge tide of racism that is still cresting. That wave hasn't crested yet. We're not, we haven't gotten to as racist as this country is going to be yet. That's the sad part, even after 250 years of existence. Agree. See, we did agree on something. We did. I still love you. Well, well, I don't love people, so I can't say the same thing. I like you a lot. Tried, folks. (laughs) Tried. So uh, I got. Are we gonna end on the fun note or no? What are we gonna do here? Uh, we can. I I, I don't. I, I'm all. I'm all energied out for the any commander stock. We can save that. Oh come on. Show no. All it's right. for, can I just at least? I, I just can I can I set up the? Can we can we push that to next week then? Absolutely. And can I just? I want because I had a little theme music for the Washington Commodores. This is going to be for the segment next week, okay? <laughs> when we talk about the Washington Commodores, we're going to play Lionel and the boys! Oh! Hey, yeah. Come on, Rob. You ah. That's the game plan, man. You don't like that either. I'm just I'm just upsetting you more, ain't I? <laughs> no, I, I'm... I'm... It's fine. I wish you'd picked a different Commodore song. I, if you really wanted to get my goat, I would have picked Easy. Oh, I got that one. Just easy I got them all here, buddy. I got them when all here. When they play football, I got them all. Hold on, wait. You know what? There you go. We can let's do this as a fun note. We let's play a little uh, a little Washington Commanders mix. So go ahead and play the music, and I'll play a little. We'll play a little mix, a little, little few drops here for the, for your Commanders. <laughs> You know, they all get involved, and they all got their gear already, and so they're going to be all colored up in uh, in a maroon and black and yellow. Wait, keep going. This is great. This is very therapeutic. 
All right, hold on. Let me just turn around here. Here we go. And the boys come out of the locker room. <laughs> um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, but Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Oh, there's so many great tunes. This is one of my no, not not that one, but uh, this one. This is one of my favorite ones. This one. Uh, and this is this is actually for you oh, as you. you're sailing on, saying goodbye to the old franchise, and just taking on the new franchise, the brand new expansion team. You're sailing on, buddy. Jason Wright, along with his senior advisor, NFL legend, Doug Williams, uh, the first black quarterback to start and win a Super Bowl in the NFL when he played for this very team. And we also have team captain Jonathan Allen, who, oh, by Where's the way, the music? is heading to his very... There's nothing to mix. you got to hear both. After this conversation, gentlemen, good morning to you. Let's not like, make folks wait. Let's not drag it out, Jason. What's the... Uh, what is the new team name? And one, one more for the road. One more for the road. We are the Commanders. <laughs> we are the Commanders. The Commanders. The Washington this Commanders. This is post-Lionel Richie Commodores. Well, night shift, baby. Oh, yeah. See, now, folks, unfortunately, we don't have the video going. You, get, you can't see me. No. And, do you got two old white guys right now going to the Commodores? <laughs> Oh, man. We'll have some fun with this. I can't wait till next fall. I can't wait till August. Training camp, baby. For the commander The commanders might be the first NFL jersey I might get. How great will that be if if you turn on the the Skype next year and you see me wearing that jersey? It'd be awful. Well, you know what? This is what would happen if I see you in a commander's jersey. You're fired! (laughs) He's been waiting all night to hit that clip. I have. You know, again... Fun with uh, the Roadcaster Pro here, which should be All a sponsor right. of this fine podcast. It's it's some good equipment. It is. Me and you, we've both got good equipment too, but that's none of anybody else's business. Okay, <laughs> except, Anyone- except for that woman with the tattoo on her forearm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're running out of recording time here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's time for. The Dope of the Week! Dope of the Week. That's awesome, dude! I can't believe I'm still awake for this. Hey, everybody. Even when it's darkest before the storm here, uh, the Gags Gang and I do spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner, and you can. Like today's episode, for absolutely no reward, save for our untying respect and gratitude. That's undying, not untying. Respect and gratitude help pilot the show by nominating your own Dope of the Week. Use the hashtag D-O-T-W on Twitter, at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos, at Go Sports Media Co. And who will be carrying the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week cup around the ice rink of shame this week? That's right. Stony Brook University. <gasps> yes. An entire college. <gasps> that's like, that's like 40 minutes from me. We're, we're going to go Stony Brook. Big thanks to Honcho superfan Andrew Caton, speaking of Buffalo, for bringing us this week's DOTW. Nice. Stony Brook University, located in Cuthbert country on the Isle of Long, <laughs> is a public university in the state of New York that plays most of its college sports in the America East Conference. It is also the alma mater of Joy Behar, for all of you The View fans oh, out God. there. 
Since I do not ordinarily name an institution or business as the DOTW, we will be sending Athletic Director Sean Heilbrunn and University President Maury McGinnis this week's certificate. On January 25th, 2022, Stony Brook announced they would be leaving the America East Conference for the greener, i.e. more money, pastors of the Colonial Athletic Association. At the time, the women's basketball team was in first place in the conference and the men's team was in second. The women are still in first at this point, but the men have now tumbled to fourth overall. A week later, the America East, in accordance with conference bylaws, banned the Sea Wolves from conference tournament play and not just because their name is the Sea Wolves. Therefore, the only way for any Stony Brook team to make their respective NCAA tournament is to get an at-large bid as opposed to the automatic bid received by the conference champion. This is especially problematic for men's and women's basketball teams because the America East historically sends only the conference tournament winner to the NCAAs. Stony Brook has been one of the standard bearers when it comes to athletics in the America East. They have won the last two Commissioner's Cups, which is awarded to the America East's top-performing athletics program. They have nothing left to prove in the America East, so I have no problem with them leaving to seek their fame and fortune. However, however, I am stunned, stunned, I say, that an institution of higher learning, which still accepts money from students to make them smarter and more marketable, could be so stupid. If you are going to leave, then you do not do not make a grand pronouncement in the middle of the season. You do need you need to be a smidge more subtle and a lot more tactful. No matter the reason for your departure, someone is going to get their feelings hurt. In this case, it is the nine other teams in the conference. If you think breaking up with one significant other is hard, then you should try breaking up with nine. What exactly did Stony Brook expect, by the way? Did they think the America East would take the high road and let them play? Did they think the America East would just tear up the bylaws in the name of sportsmanship and fairness? Come on, man. They are the jilted lover here. The America East supported Stony Brook for years and was always there for Stony Brook in good times and bad times. Now, all of a sudden, the richer and more attractive CAA comes along and Stony Brook is out of there faster than shit through a goose. Worse yet... <laughs> In their haste to jump into bed with the CAA, Stony Brook has neglected one of their children from the previous relationship. The women's basketball team is in first place in the conference and now will most likely miss the NCAA tournament. This comes on the heels of being denied a postseason berth in 2020 when they were 28-3, and finished first in, the, in their conference, but the NCAAs were canceled because of COVID. Stony Brook has been crying foul over this decision and is pointing to the decision by the University of Hartford to leave the conference last year. Hartford was not banned from postseason play in the America East. Stony Brook has now accused the conference of being hypocrites. So now we know one more thing Stony Brook cannot do. Teach their students the meaning of the word hypocrite. Hartford made their announcement not in the middle of the regular season, but on May the 11th when not only were spring sports finished for the year, but it may well have been after graduation. So Stony Brook jumped out of the car while it was still moving. Hartford, on the other hand, put its signal on, eased over to the shoulder, came to a comfortable stop, and then got out well of the Well done, Mr. Cuny. This situation is more like the Bill Frieder situation in 1989. Frieder, the head coach of the University of Michigan's basketball team, announced on the eve of the NCAA tournament, that he was leaving after the season to become the head coach of Arizona State. Although Frieder was looking forward to coaching the Wolverines in the NCAA tournament, Michigan AD Bo Schembechler, yes, the same one as the football coach, had other plans. He ordered Frieder to leave immediately and promoted assistant coach Steve Fisher to head coach because he wanted a Michigan man coaching Michigan and not an Arizona State man. Fisher went on to win the NCAA championship that year. You know, Johnson & Johnson 
makes a pill for premature ejaculation. <laughs> Perhaps Stony Brook can get a pill for premature evacuation. And so, Stony Brook University, for treating the NCAA conference like a 1970s key party, for giving new meaning to the phrase New York Minute, and for having the kind of relationship commitment only a Kardashian could love, you are the Sports Honcho's Dope of the Week. Congrats, Stony Brook. Your certificate is in the mail, unless you move again before we can actually mail it. Way to go, Stony Brook! Oh, oh. Up there in good old Suffolk County. Look at that, baby. A little long guy. I love that today. Yep. Brilliant, as always, Mr. Cuny. I got a question, though. What is a 70s yes. key party? Uh, you know, where you'd, you'd go to a, a party and you put all your keys in a fishbowl, and then you'd pick a key out and go home with the person that, you know, uh, whose key you picked. How many, how many of those did you go to? Well, I was in elementary school. Uh, thankfully, not many. Thankfully, not a lot. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Good stuff. Go Seawolves, baby. The Sony Brook Seawolves. Yep. It's and a long they, drive. They, they they win a lot in the America East. So, you know, again, I can't blame them for saying, see you later, but in the middle of the season, come on. And then you just screwed over your women's team. You could have made that same announcement in June. Not no. everybody with the money makes the smartest decisions. No. And, you know, you pay to go to college still. So you got to wonder who's leading, who's molding America's youth over there at Stony Brook. Yeah, they've been trying for years so. too, I think, to get into their hockey team, Division One A or something like that too. And that's always. I think the football team already plays in the CAA. That's why I said most of their sports, um, but every other everyone else is in the America East. Hey, that means it's uh, more chances for places like you know Binghamton and uh, the one in Baltimore to move up the ranks. Hmm. UMBC to move up the ranks in. Uh, well, I got, I got to get you a Seawolves jersey or something for you. Seawolves hat. Yeah, I'll, put, I'll put it right next to my Blue Hose jersey. There you go, baby. All right, pal. Um, we ready to put this? Uh, sure. This roller coaster of an episode in the books. Is it Thursday morning yet? <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We've seen it. Uh, we appreciate your audience. It's great stuff. I want to thank uh, the Dean Blundell Network, as always, for supporting us. We're going to be doing some uh, more cool stuff with those guys. So check out all the podcasts over at the Dean Blundell Network. Um, we uh, appreciate being a part of their family as well. So uh, for me, truly, Mr. Paulie here in New York, I wish you all the best. Stay safe and stay warm. And uh, I'll be running around tomorrow, Rob. With no mask on. No mask. Okay? Running That's through fantastic. the streets. Running through the streets. Fantastic. So, with that said, say goodnight to the folks, Pete. Hey, everybody. Listen, despite all that's been said and all the all the tempers flaring and all the, the hand-wringing teeth gnashing in tonight's episode, yeah, on tonight's football-heavy episode, <laughs> you know what this weekend is besides Super Bowl weekend? It's Valentine's Day weekend. So take a moment. That's right. Find someone you care about or someone you don't care about. Maybe exchange house keys with them. I don't know. Do whatever makes you feel happy on Valentine's Day. But look, as always, be safe this weekend. Be kind to each other. Give each other a hug. If you see Willie Mays or his family, a special <laughs> Valentine's Day hug and kiss for the Mays Mishbucha. Yes, thank you for following, for subscribing, for downloading, for listening, for supporting us. Hopefully after today's show, you still love me uh, and all that stuff. Okay, But most importantly, besides being safe and being warm, 
be good to each other this weekend and every weekend and every day. All right? That's all I got for you. Peace. All right. Go Bengals. And don't forget my sauce with my nuggets. Ow! Anchos are out, baby. Episode 51 in the books. See you down the road. Good night, folks.